This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Happy Halloween to you. It's October 31st. Dr. Matt here. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Joined, of course, by Jeffrey and Terry. Sadie is uh, on sick leave today. Or something. Hmm. The Monster Mash. There is talk of a Halloween party. Oh, there is? For the show. Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't believe it's happening, though. Yeah, I've been gone. I'm wondering, like, who organized that? Didn't that happen Friday? No, for the show. Oh. We're going to have our own show party. But certain key factors are now homesick, so it's probably not happening. Oh, that's true. Once you lose the party planner. Maybe we'll get a Christmas party for the show. I told him it had to be done before 11.30. Yeah. That's when I leave. And we have a food budget of $10, so that's two pizzas. Right. Well. Two. Maybe. You can't even get a frozen pizza for 10 bucks. Yeah. You can, you can get some cardboard with some tomatoes, sort of. And a little cheese byproduct. Hey, great to have you on the show. Good to be back. You guys held down the fort. I heard one of the shows last week. Well, I heard a tiny bit of one of the shows last week. Mm. It's wonderful. Why would you even listen? Riveting! Um, I think it's, I was just surfing. And on the other like, hand, we had a phone call. Yeah. A woman was distraught oh, that, why? You, that you were not on the show anymore, ah. wondering if you got fired. Is that my mom? Uh, no. Mom called? No. I think it was my mom. <laughs> Get Jeffrey off the phone. Just fu- beside herself. I miss Matt Townsend. I yeah. start every day with Matt oh Townsend. I'm like, really? That is cool. You listen to him? Well, he's, she's a very smart woman. Apparently. Love that woman. So awesome. You well, have a fan. And did you see notice? Did you notice that when I was gone, Mr. Comey from the FBI just blew up the entire election? Yes. That he, was cool. He's kind of the guy, runs in the middle of the party. Yeah. Drops a firebomb, runs away. I'm out of here. Yeah. And in a way he's gotta he's gotta say something, doesn't he? Like well, this could get we'll, we'll, this could get ugly. We'll if, get into it, but the argument is he had really nothing to say. Well, no, but all he was saying was to Congress in a letter, just so you know, I'm going to amend my earlier statement. There are more. There is more information. Could he have said that after they found out if there was some? I mean, they, yeah. they have no idea what's in these well, emails. But I guess here's your problem. So let's say they find out there's something after the election. Okay. Then he's supposed to say it. Then he would look like he was just running her to the election and yeah. then saying it. He backed himself into a corner by saying he's being completely transparent. Yeah. And yeah. And all I'm doing is informing Congress. We'll get into that today. Boy, that'll be a fun discussion. With uh, also Joe Cannon, our Joe in the know, our Washington insider will be on the phone with us, talking to us about what this all means, if anything, if anyone knows. Because, you know, everyone keeps saying, we're just eight days away from voting. No, people have been voting for weeks now. And Hillary Clinton's, you know, getting a little advantage from the early voting, they're saying. <sighs> so Joe and the No will be here. We'll be talking Donald Trump, uh, what the FBI is saying now about Hillary Clinton's emails. And, Which isn't uh, much. No. Since they don't know. They don't know. <laughs> but they know that there's something that they could read that's a possible email yeah. on – Anthony Weiner's uh, emails. Which I thought was the best part of the story. Ugh. That numbskull comes down. So right now, Anthony Weiner 
and Billy Bush have probably had the most effect on this election than anybody else. <laughs> oh, that is just And it's fun idea. to watch both campaigns flip. Oh, yeah. Because after the Access Hollywood, Trump campaign was saying these certain comments. And then after the emails, the Clinton campaign saying certain oh, things, yeah. they kind of marry oh, yeah. each other. Well, the Dems used to love, one month ago, the Dems loved oh, yeah. James Comey. Not even a month ago. Now there's, there's quotes from Tim Kaine yeah. talking about he's just, he has all the, the, man the best judgment, all the integrity. And, and then now hang it's like, him. Oh, what are you hang doing? him, murder that man. <laughs> it's ugly. It's great. Politics 101. We'll get to all that fun, plus uh, some fun celebrations today about Halloween. We'll, we'll talk about how to be healthy. On Halloween. Don't know why you try. Why start now? Eh. Get to all that fun. Plus just the news. The, some of it you even need to know. As we celebrate today, Caramel Apple Day. Mm. Or is it Caramel Apple Day? Caramel. It's Caramel. It's a regional distinction. It's Nevada, Nevada. If you're from Nevada or the West, it's you say it that way. Caramel Apple Day. It's also Candy Corn Day. Today is actually well, the only day of yes, the year. Yesterday was Candy Corn Day. No. But I didn't want to let that day go. It's such a great day. Well, yeah, and I missed it. And it's only – it's – One day a year. It's the, mean, really the only day you should eat a candy corn. Well, yeah. I think. At least more than four because you hit five, it makes you sick. Plus, if you're really lucky, we'll get into some unknown secrets of the candy corn. There's some facts out there. Okay. Lots of fun ahead, but uh, first let's get to the headlines with Terry. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country? Thanks, Matt. The FBI has obtained a warrant to search emails discovered on a laptop used by former Congressman Anthony Weiner and his estranged wife and top Hillary Clinton aide Uma Abedin. The law enforcement officials have reported. The officials said that Abedin sent thousands of emails to Clinton from a laptop, and agents will now look at the messages and compare them to emails they've already looked at during the investigation into Clinton's use of a private email server to see if any of them contained classified information. Following FBI Director James Comey's bombshell news Friday about the new emails that could pertain to the investigation, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's uh, private server, the presidential race, has been dramatically has not been dramatically changed, according to a new poll. Uh, over the weekend, Politico Morning Consult poll suggests that Clinton still maintains a three-point lead over Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump. The poll shows a 46-43% two-way split and a 42-39% breakdown in a four-way race. Uh, the week-long Oklahoma manhunt for a 38-year-old man who allegedly killed two relatives ended late Sunday night after a shootout with police. Michael Dale Vance Jr. was found dead after he reportedly led police on a chase and was shot by a state trooper in the tiny western Oklahoma town of Leedney. Uh, they highly publicized race to find Vance, who live-streamed some of his crimes on Facebook, making it very easy for people mm. to, to track. Involved the shooting of at least two police officers and multiple carjackings. And finally, the 2016 World Series will head back to Cleveland after Chicago won a close game five over the Indians by a score of three to two. Series shifts back to Cleveland for game six tonight. Yes! So if you're stuck handing out candy, you might have something to watch. That is super good news. I mean, that was a fun game. Did you watch it? Yes, I did. Hmm. And I watched a little football. Overtime. It's still not saving the NFL, all these overtime games. Maybe, maybe nope. you know, maybe yesterday was a higher rated day for the nfl they're in trouble actually their afternoon games are the same oh, are they? ratings wise it's the thursday sunday Mon- monday games which are supposed to be showcase games yeah. and they keep playing teams like the jacksonville jaguars which nobody cares about and they're horrible well and now and there was a poll out done by someone monmouth i think poll about 
a lot of this they're attributing to the kneeling down during the national anthem. Very well. 55% of the people say that's one of the reasons. That's the number one reason. Well, then that's going to hit every sport since they're, they're doing, it doing it. Everyone's doing it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, NFL, they're the innovators. So, wow, where do we start? I guess uh, let's just start with some some wonderful news. Um, again, as if this election wasn't crazy enough, it just took an extra dose of crazy. But on a good side of things, it would be boring if they both sat there and talked about policy for eight days, something they've never done for this well, entire yeah, why election. Start now? Right. So it seemed like it was sort of dying down. Yeah. Maybe everything was turning more to a normal sort of run. And then yeah. it just went nuts again. It's great. Everyone's on defensive. Everyone's attacking with no evidence to attack with, but that doesn't uh, seem to matter. Uh, it's good stuff. Only eight more days. I already voted. So this is yeah, all moot to me. It's great to yeah. watch just this is I mean cuz I want uh, if you remember, I wanted chaos at the conventions. Yeah, didn't you did. happen. Didn't get Very it. Very disappointed. Didn't get it. Now you're getting chaos. Now we're getting a little bit of chaos. Uh so again, 650,000 emails were found in a separate investigation on Mr. Anthony Weiner's uh laptop which yes. he's being investigated for sexting an underage youth. Yes. For some reason, he was backing things up. Yeah, and for some reason, but Uma Abedin had been using that laptop, his wife, and had been corresponding using some of the hidden – not hidden, but the server, the Clinton server from the Clinton basement in Chappaqua. Mm-hmm. And now – and she had never said anything about that computer and she was supposed to turn over all of her devices and that was a device that had never been declared or turned over. So those emails had never been seen by the FBI, and they found him in a separate investigation. Right. Oh, <laughs> with a tangled web. And then there's, I don't know, was someone saving copies as like an insurance type thing against oh, maybe ma- oh, the boy. backstabbing situation from the Clintons? These are all the wild speculation that goes on when we have no yeah. underlying base of- Ooh, is this Anthony Weiner like- Or is he trying is to protect his wife? B. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No one knows. Well, in the end, if he was trying to protect her, he threw her into a yeah. shredder, basically, <laughs> because she's she's now basically off the campaign. They're saying hidden away. She hasn't been seen on the campaign. Well, no. well she hasn't, she's been seen at her house. Yeah, she's home. Yeah, the other reporters are standing out there well, waiting for her to poke out. But that's what a lot of people do eight days before the big election. Right. You go hide. You go hide and go home. Yeah. So the dilemma, though, is – so then – James Comey, who's the head of the FBI, writes a letter, just a letter to Congress, about three paragraphs, saying, hey, in a separate investigation, we found some other information that's – he didn't even tip a hand that it that it, it possibly could amount to anything. It's just – He did say the word pertinent, which is a pertinent. legal term. Right. But meaning – you know, giving it some importance over But isn't just it pertinent possible. simply because it's on a computer yeah. that – so, but people read into that thinking that you know yeah. there's well, and again, it, it looks bad because Uma was supposed to turn over all of her devices, and this was one she didn't turn over. I guess didn't declare. Did she know? Was this something that Anthony Weiner was doing by himself? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, so he just writes a letter to Congress, and now, and it, and and of course, the the, the GOP congressmen release it like, hey. There's, the investigation's still open, mm-hmm. even though he didn't say that. He just says he's 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 still looking further into this. He didn't say I op- I reopened the investigation. He says we're, we're still 
looking at this. But that came out of Congress. Donald yeah. Trump spoke about that. And- okay. So <laughs> now that you know the background, here we go. Uh, we got to hear Donald Trump's view of the reopening of this investigation. The FBI has just sent a letter to Congress informing them that they have discovered new emails pertaining to the former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's investigation. And they are reopening the case into her criminal and illegal conduct that threatens the security of the United States of America. Hillary Clinton's corruption is on a scale we have never seen before. We must not let her take her criminal scheme into the Oval Office. Um, there you go. It's on a scale we've never seen before. In fact, he compares it to Watergate. The investigation is the biggest political scandal since Watergate. And it's everybody's hope that justice at last can be delivered. The FBI would never have reopened this case at this time unless it were a most egregious criminal offense. Mm. Wow, he's, he, he seems to be filling in a lot of blanks. So 48 <laughs> people went to jail for Watergate. Yeah. And this is the biggest since Watergate? Yeah. We'll see. Well, I think Iran-Contra was pretty big. Iran-Contra was pretty big. And interestingly, what, about 10 days before an election, yeah. it was announced that, yeah. that there were people, I think, being indicted or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like he might be uh, trying to inflate the story a bit. Yeah, he, he totally might be. And <laughs> This was before there was a warrant, right. before they even looked but at it. One of the things I did do on my vacation is I watched All the President's Men. Yes. It's is that movie. what it's called? I believe so. Yeah. 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 And in that, you you see Robert Redford and Hoffman. What's his name? Dustin Hoffman, Woodward and Bernstein, Woodward and Bernstein. And you see how hard it was to bring down a sitting president. But it, st- it always starts with the money. Oh, yeah. Follow the money. Follow the money. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, that's some of what's going on in some of this stuff because now there's stuff coming out about – the number two in charge of the FBI and his wife receiving receiving money from Terry McAuliffe. Uh, and McAuliffe was obviously the right hand of Clinton back in the day, also governor of Virginia. Crazy. Mm. So uh, anyway, it's crazy. But, you know, it is what it is. So what's Hillary Clinton going to say about this whole thing? She's she's like she wants the information out now. I have now seen Director Comey's letter to Congress. We are 11 days out from perhaps the most important national election of our lifetimes. Of her lifetime. Voting is already underway in our country. So the American people deserve to get the full and complete facts immediately. Hmm. The director himself has said he doesn't know whether the emails referenced in his letter are significant or not. I'm confident whatever they are will not change the conclusion reached in July. Therefore, it's imperative that the Bureau explain this issue in question, whatever it is, without any delay. Okay. Let me get this straight. Hmm. So Hillary Clinton wants an immediate release of the email information, actually her email information, that Um, she could have released a year and a half ago. The FBI doesn't talk about ongoing investigations. Yeah. And she wants it immediately released right now. 
They just barely got the warrant. It's going to take yeah. a couple weeks to look through. How yeah. many? 60? 650,000, but only a few yeah. thousand of those would be kind of Uma and Hillary Clinton. Top server. Democrats are demanding the FBI director show yeah. up to the Capitol Hill today to is give an update on what is they're she doing. demanding an immediate release of information surrounding Hillary Clinton's emails? No. Just whatever the FBI it has. seems like I've heard of this somewhere. Yeah. What else is she going to say, though? <laughs> yeah, really. Please don't. Don't look into this. You know what? It's, we're fine. We don't if, even need to know about it. If this. you guys could just wait another week, that would be great. Play clip 11. Wouldn't that be embarrassing to lose to crooked Hillary Clinton? That would be terrible. <laughs> well, you're on your way, pal. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> After all this, and she still has the lead. Um, and Tim Kaine, he's he's... He says this is unprecedented. It's just extremely puzzling. Why would you break these two protocols? Why would you release information that is so incomplete when you haven't even seen the material yourself 11 days before an election? Why would you talk about an ongoing investigation? I, have, I just have no way of understanding these actions. They're, they're completely unprecedented, and that's why I think he owes the American public more information. Yeah. Now, behind the scenes, Tim Kaine's like... I could be president. Now there is there is uh, something. Uh, what's his name? Reed. Harry Reed suggested that they <laughs> broke the law, right? Yeah, yeah. There right. is a thing called the Hatch Act, right? Nineteen thirty-eight, I believe, yeah. and it talks about, as it says, the law prohibiting political activity by executive branch officials mm-hmm. before you know this close to an election. This right. is it's, and so did he break a law? The the FBI director by did you releasing hear what Trey Gowdy said no. So Trey Gowdy said, oh, wow. He's I didn't... that pointy-headed guy, right? He's the pointy-headed guy that yeah. is – I love to watch because he's a real defender. Like he's oh, yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. prosecutor. He knows how to get people in jail. And he uh, he made a big point. He goes, oh, I didn't know Mormons because uh, Mr. Reed is a, is a Mormon, yeah. LDS. Oh, I didn't know Mormons did drugs. Wow. That's what he said about Harry Reed. But he also made a really interesting point. It is absolutely true that – Leaders should not be injecting themselves, which is why it was so weird that Loretta Lynch met with the president, an ex-president of the United States, right. on a tarmac <laughs> while her husband's under, while her spouse, they just, spouse is under. They just talked about their grandkids. They just yeah. talked about their grandkids. This That's what, what I love about Trey Gowdy because he is just—he really is a brilliant prosecutor, and it—he just drives people crazy because he—he's a little hound dog. <sighs> this is crazy. Well, you know what? It's just more information for you, folks. Better decisions, right? You can make better decisions. Well, it's also Halloween. Let's not let's not let the scary, you know, issues of politics mess up your holidays. Just throw it into the mash. It's the political monster mash. We'll take a break. Come back with our Joe in the know, our Washington insider, Joe Cannon, up next. He did the mash. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You hear it there, Bob Dylan, little political world with Bob Dylan. By the way, he's actually excited now, he says, about the Nobel Peace Prize. Well, the Nobel Prize in poetry. And uh, amazing. And who better to sing us into our next segment than 
Bob Dylan. Also joining us, Joe Cannon. Joe is our Joe in the know, we call him. He is a good friend of the show and a past chairman of the Utah Republican Party, was a candidate for U.S. Senate, served in the Reagan administration, was also an editor of the Deseret News. Um, and we just like him on the show to just pick his brain and think, uh, figure out what's going on politically with all of these uh, these new things that we're seeing about the FBI. Joe, thank you so much for being with us again. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. Hey, um, so boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> Eight and no, eleven days out, they James Comey, who most Republicans uh, that you know were politically active Republicans were really frustrated with. Um, Turned the entire table, and and first the Democrats loved him, and Republicans were hating him, and now it looks like the Republicans love him, and the Democrats are hating him. Explain to us what why he chose to do this, if you can. Well, of course, just to be clear, I can't because I don't, I don't know. Nobody but, knows. I mean, there, are, there are only there are only a few possibilities. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm kind of rejecting all the conspiracy theory ones because I. I'm not even sure what a conspiracy theory is anymore. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> no, no one, no one could possibly have predicted this last year and a half. I mean, it's just been uh, crazy. You know, it's not, it's not even possible to overstate how crazy it's been. <laughs> but with Comey, you know, there are just a couple of, there are only a few possibilities. One is that he really did. I mean, what he says on the surface is true, and. I think there might be a lot to be said for that. He just said, look, I've discovered new evidence. I read the letter pretty carefully. It's not in itself. It doesn't, you know, scream anything out. Mm. We're looking at this again. That fact, however, is a pretty important fact because uh, it's highly unlikely that between now and a week from tomorrow, uh, anything more substantive is going to come out. But, But you know what? Who knows? Uh, so, but so one possibility is just that he uh, did come up with things that alarmed him enough that he felt like I better tell Congress because he has testified under oath that uh, that the that the investigation was over. Yeah, and so he now has to say, well, what? just so you know, I guess we're we're learning that there may be six hundred fifty thousand emails and. Who knows how many of them are from where? And and so anyway, that's one possibility. The other possibility is that, um, well, actually, that's, I, I accept that pretty much at face value. Hmm. Um, well, he has to I do it. Know. Doesn't he have to do it? Because well, it, I, if something comes out in the next, you know, if something comes out and she could have been indicted, he can't bring that up after the election. And so wasn't he just quietly maybe trying to get it to Congress to say, look, just so you know, we're still investigating part of this? Yeah. Because um, that would have looked horrible. It could, it, well, it, it might have looked horrible, but there are guidelines on this. I mean, there are – being as nonpartisan as I can be on this, uh, it is extremely unusual for an investigating body, state or federal, to come out – this close to an election mm. with something that could be, that is a really bombshell. Now, what we don't know, we'll talk, probably talk about this later, we don't know what, if any impact, this is really going to actually have on the electorate. Right. Uh, there's a, a pretty strong argument that things are already baked in, in, 
in terms of what people are thinking. And there's, a, there's, a, there's almost no evidence, well, there's really no evidence that um, there's been a shift. But that doesn't mean it is no evidence, little evidence one way or the other. It's not like there's, it's, you, you can't say the fact that there's no evidence means that nothing is not happening. It's just that there's very, very limited. There's been no major poll since Friday mm. of the whole country. Well, there may have been, but we haven't seen any results of that yet. Right. The only results that we've seen are what are called these uh, tracking polls. So you've got the three, the three that you know everybody really watches. There's the ABC, Washington Post. There's the uh, Investors Business Daily, and then there's the UFC, Los Angeles Times. And those, in in all of those cases, um, they 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 interview sets of people a certain percent every so many days. So in the case of ABC Washington Post, it's a four-day cycle. Mm-hmm. There's only one of those days as post-Comey, I'll call it, and that, that shows Trump up plus one, which is really nothing. And the next two days, the next two big polls uh, have two days, two out of six and two out of seven days, and they're flat. They don't show any movement. Yeah. So, so it's it, it, we don't know really yet. Is it you've got you've got one post Comey, couple of post Comey uh, polls in in uh, big you know the big battleground states, and they show again almost no movement, but they're still in the panels of you know one out of three days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, the crazy thing is, it, it just it did it upset. It just totally tipped over the apple cart again, right? Whether it, because I mean, the reality is we've been voting. I've already voted. A lot of us have already voted. It's, I mean, a lot of votes are there already, and there's going to be, you know, kind of the 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 followers of both sides that aren't going to move. Um, I guess in the end, though, it it really oh, it's just exhausting to think. Could we have four more years of nonstop? You know, investigating the president, you know, more whitewater kind of things just over and over and over. Um, is is there going is this going to impact the turnout, too? I mean, is it going to frustrate, you know, the Clinton voters that, that are kind of on the fence with Clinton? That are saying, I well, want her. She's got to win. We can't have Trump win. But oh, come on. Well, that's what we don't know. I mean, that's why I say there's not there's not much polling evidence one way or the other. I mean, you could uh, it cuts both ways. If you're uh, the Clinton camp, this might be good in the sense that it could galvanize. Hmm. Let me roll back a little bit. She's still significantly ahead. Yeah, everywhere she needs to be ahead. So the overall the overall national polling, she's still ahead by two or three points. Uh, and and in each of the states, we can go over the states in a little bit here. But so one point, one fact is it could just galvanize her supporters and say, "Oh, we really do have to get out. We have no more complacency. And this this makes us nervous." The, on the other hand, I mean, if you're a Trump supporter and you might have been discouraged, a little bit down, mm-hmm. so you know maybe there's hope. True, huh? Yeah. So it, I just I'm kind of stuck on. Very, very interesting in what happens in the actual polls in the next uh, two or three days, where we where we see any 
whether we see any real movement or not. It's a, uh, I mean, really, I guess let's get into it. It's still, it's an electoral college um, election, right? So we need, there's there's really 10, maybe five to 10 states that matter. And uh, she seems to be doing a lot better in those. Um, Ohio, for example, well, Ohio, Florida. Talk to us about what you're seeing in some of the big battleground states. So in Ohio, which, uh, which if you listen to Trump people on TV, they just have it in the bag. And then actually, I think the Clinton folks are sort of acting like they're giving up. But when you look at the actual data, Trump is only ahead by one percentage mm. point. Yeah, which is is nothing, is nothing in a in a, and that that it it's trending in his way, just to say that. But if you take out one poll where he's ahead by four points, all the rest of the polls are tied in Ohio. So mm. that's not in, that's not necessarily in the bad uh, for Trump. Then you take Pennsylvania. She's ahead by uh, 5.8%. Yeah. If you round that to six. And if you look at all of the polls that, that lead into that average, there's no sign of a shift away from her toward Trump. Now, Pennsylvania is the place where lots of folks say there's a hidden Trump vote, but there's no evidence of that. Is all yeah. Say. And Florida, Florida, they're tied, right? Florida, it's a dead tie. But if you look at the trend in those polls, Unlike Ohio, the trend is is in favor of Trump there. So mm. there's a slight trend, and I emphasize slight trend, in favor. It's a dead tie, but if you look at the day-by-day polls, you take the last, the most recent polls, it's moving in this direction some. Mm. So that, that could matter. But then you come to North Carolina. She's almost three points ahead. And there you may have as many as a million people have already voted. Yeah, right. And so, and 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 everyone says, I, I don't know how to evaluate this, but a lot of smart people say that uh, that million is heavily weighted or weighted maybe heavily toward uh, uh, Clinton. So, mm-hmm. so I, you just don't see if uh, you, you see a very obscure pathway here mm. that way for. Um, you know, to, for a Trump victory. Yeah, it's a. I, I guess too, when you look at it, it it really um, is this is this an election where it could be that neither candidate gets the number of electoral votes necessary. There are a couple of scenarios where that uh, could be the case. I mean, there's a scenario if you just say, for example, that Trump were to take Pennsylvania. Uh, and I will go through all, all of the other states. But so Trump takes Pennsylvania, loses North Carolina, takes Ohio and Florida, loses Nevada and Colorado. Okay, that's a lot to follow, maybe, but that gets you to two sixty nine and two to two sixty nine, oh, wow. which, which puts puts it in the House of Representatives, which makes little state of Utah kind of important because. There's some polling evidence there that uh, this guy McMullen could maybe even take Utah. Mm. And um, how that, weird that happens in, in a two sixty nine two sixty nine tie. That just means that it goes. That doesn't give it to anybody. Um, so I, it's it, it'll be in, that that's it's 
that but that scenario assumes that he takes Pennsylvania, and I I don't see that. You know, she's uh, five point yeah ahead with with no sign of a shift, and that that's that's the Grand Canyon yeah in a in a in a close election. Well, plus he's but he's also going. He's I think today isn't he going to Michigan? He's going to a bunch of states that he doesn't seem to have a chance in. But he's he's still going uh-huh. there, I guess, in a hope in hopes of uh, of making some connection. Let's let's do this, Joe. Let's take a break. It sounds like you're playing the old board game Operation. By the way, um, it keeps <laughs> it keeps vibrating and buzzing. So if uh, you know, get the wishbone out, I guess. And we will come back more with Joe Cannon, our Washington insider. You can check out some of the work he's doing at his foundation, Fuel Freedom Foundation. Go to fuelfreedom.org. Joe's trying to lower the fuel cost for those in North America, actually in the United States. We'll take a break and come back, continue the discussion of politics with Joe in the know. We'll be right back. We live in a political world. The cities are alone to fear. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Joining us on the phone, Joe Cannon, our Washington uh, insider. Joe in the know, we call him, and he's he's just got a great background. Uh, Joe, you were there in the Reagan administration. Wasn't it at the end of Reagan uh, – uh, no, was it the end of the Bush administration where Sam Nunn was indicted? Was it Sam Nunn? It, was right. so it, was, it wasn't Sam Nunn. It was Casper Weinberger. Casper Weinberger, right. Yeah. Right before and, an election, uh, though, wasn't it? Right, and there are some people who say that that uh, shifted things to Bill Clinton. Mm, there you go. Ninety-two. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I have, I do remember that, but um, not, not really sure how much that influenced things. Yeah. It could have sent more people to Perot, if you recall, in ninety-two. And by the way, ninety-two and ninety-six, uh, Bill Clinton did not even get 50% of the vote, but that's because, especially in 92, there was a very substantial uh, Perot shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the argument is is that the Weinberger uh, news shifted more people to Perot. Right. So I don't know. I, I don't, I know, honestly, I didn't look at any data, so I'm not quite sure yeah. on that, but that's what people say. So but even just before the break, you mentioned, you know, that he's going to Wisconsin and Michigan, and honestly... Uh, in Michigan, she, she, Secretary, Secretary Clinton has a pretty solid. I know what's he doing, and there's no evidence of movement in in Michigan. Now, to be fair, the latest poll I've seen was uh, last week, so uh, the 26th. Now, in in Wisconsin, uh, again, uh, Clinton is ahead 6.5. There, there was a poll that came out yesterday that. Uh, showed her up only, only, but quotes around the only four. Mm-hmm. And four is A, outside the margin of error, and B, the Grand Canyon in, in a close election. So I don't know why, what's going on, why they must have some polling that the rest, that's not obvious to everybody else, that why he would spend the last few days there, because uh, the, the biggest wins for him are still uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Florida, in North Carolina. Now, again, uh, Colorado and Nevada are places where he's trending, trending in his favor. 
So, I mean, this is, so, again, he can win the, I mean, someone could win the popular vote, but not the Electoral College, and it's still about the Electoral College, is, um, how does, how do you see this affecting the down ballot contests? Is this, what is the, what news is this for the Democrats trying to take over the Senate? Yeah, I, again, there's just a paucity of data, so it's hard to, Exactly. When you look at the Senate races, uh, whether the Democrats can take over the Senate, in my view, just comes simply down to Nevada. Uh, If Nevada goes Republican, uh, replacing Harry Reid with Republican, that's an extremely tight race. The Republican is slightly ahead, but you you, you just don't know about these state polls. Uh, But he's slightly ahead. Uh, if Trump were to win Nevada, which is where he's the underdog right now, that could make a big difference in that race. And it could, I, I personally think it's all coming down to what happens there. The Democrats are definitely going to pick up, uh, um, let's see, they're definitely going to pick up Illinois. They have a high chance of picking up, uh, Indiana and Pennsylvania. So when you net everything out, it's about forty nine fifty one, and uh, if so, if the Republicans could take Nevada, then it then it ends up forty nine fifty one. Hmm. If they don't, it's fifty fifty, and then Clinton wins, and then the vice president breaks the tie. Tim Kaine has a job to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his only job to do, they say. Um, well, for two years, for two years, I think the tables turned pretty significantly uh, in 2018. But yeah, mm. and at the end of this year, the Democrats could be a tie with uh, Senator Kane, Tim Kane, making the difference. What do you think uh, of Paul Ryan? It seems like he's getting uh, beat up. Trump might be having a way having his way with Paul Ryan. Paul's Ryan seems like trying to stay on the you know, the healthier side of a lot of these debates except he also he's not fully backing Trump. Right. I I think I've said on your show before I think that uh, Paul Ryan is sort of licking his chops that uh, about his constitutional role if there is a Trump administration. But having said that, I don't think the House is in play, and I don't really know any serious people who think the House is in play. Right. But it could lose some Republican votes. And and if it loses some Republican votes, then the very conservative block increases in importance, and maybe Ryan has a fight on his hands in the House just because he doesn't have – he's lost – most, if there are losses in the House, they're likely to be people who support Ryan, mm-hmm. as opposed to people who are in the in the uh, hardcore conservative block in the House. Mm. What a horrible job it seems like just to have to because because the Republican Party's divided and he's trying to keep a divided party, I guess, working toward a goal. And on top of it all. You know, because I, I guess, too, he's he, he can't support Trump, but he can't just blow Trump up or he blows up his own constituency. Well, I used to say when I was chairman of the Republican Party in Utah that really there are three parties in Utah and I'm chairman of two of them. 
and uh, the, the Republican Party is in a lot of ways two parties, and maybe it's three parties with the new uh, Trump enthusiasm. There, there, there could be three significant factions of the of the party. Yeah, and so it'll be. I'll, here's what we do know: in about 200 hours, we're going to know the answer to a lot of these questions. Mm. Yeah, and, we'll, and I guess we'll really know how the polling went this year. We'll know. Um, we won't know any more probably about an investigation around Hillary, I'm assuming, but we will know her political power or not. If she goes in there, let's say, with a two-point win or a three-point win over Trump, um, isn't she a wounded duck? And and a potential investigation more into her into her scandal. I mean, how does how do you start a year? I mean, your first year of presidency under that. Well, I doubt that if she wins, that there will be much more of a FBI investigation. <laughs> the, the the director of the FBI is a political appointee, and I think uh, they'll have plenty of reason to make a change there. They'll make changes in the Department of Justice in general, and it's uh, no, no matter what party you're in, it's just so highly unlikely that there's going to be a uh, an investigation by that party of its own south of its own president. Right. So, well, in fact, so and that, the Wall Street that, Journal that, is getting that, into that. That could go away. Yeah. That could go away. But then Congress comes to the fore, and Congress has subpoena power, and uh, and they could get a, a good deal more intense about their own investigation. But does that lead to impeachment? And that is a really – that's a really hard, hard thing to – Pull. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, the impeachment is a very dramatic uh, weapon, and I, I just, I don't know. I, I hear a lot of people saying, "Well, there'll be impeachment proceedings," and actually, Tim Kaine is going to be the next president. I, I just, all of that is in conspiracy theory land. I, I, I don't know that even the House, as a Republican House, would really want to go forward with an impeachment process, which is uh, the reason I even raised that is that because you have to get beyond what they already have done in their investigative oversight position to really have teeth into an investigation. Mm. And that next thing would be uh, starting to look at impeachment. And I just, I don't know. I don't see that happening. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. Plus, you know what I mean? I mean, impeachment versus sanctioning of the president or I mean, whatever. I mean, in the end, you're holding all the cards as president. So um, talk about what you think, uh, you know, going forward, if there are any undecideds left, what what advice would you give them just for the next eight days? What how what are some things they should be looking at to make their final decision if they haven't already made it? So I, I have a theory that there really aren't very many undecided voters. Yeah, for the two <laughs> of them that are out there. If, if they're undecided, then they generally don't go to the polls. So that's that's what happens. I think what what might be happening out there is that uh, at least the last for well, the last the whole the whole time of the election, Trump has not had a lot of resonance. Well, he's not had sufficient resonance within the Republican Party. So what may happen is, is that a lot of those Republican, you know, I, I talked to a person last week who's an ardent anti-Trumper, 
And she said, you know what, I'm just holding my nose and voting for Trump. And she's kind of a moderate uh, person. Mm-hmm. And, and I, if that happens, that could change the complexion in some states. Um, so anyway, I'm sorry I don't have a good answer for yeah, the no. undecided voter. I, I just I think if somebody's genuinely undecided, they're not going to vote. They're yeah, they're exhausted or they're yeah, they're not interested. They yeah, they're just waiting for the next 200 hours. Yeah, let's just bide the time. Okay, uh, what do you think? Uh, just as we wrap this up um, uh, about the current World Series, well, Cleveland, Chicago. Okay, I'm not, I'm going to offend many of my friends. Uh, I know this already, but I've actually been a Cleveland fan. I know very few people. Talk about people who won't admit voting, wanting to vote, wanting Trump uh, if they're Republicans. No one wants to admit that they're a Cleveland fan unless they actually live in Cleveland, Ohio. But I kind of like Cleveland and I like their chances. And I've been on record since the beginning of the series before a game was played that I was going to be uh, cheering for Cleveland. And until yesterday, actually. Trump had a better chance of becoming president than the Cubs had of winning. <laughs> so now that now that they've uh, won yesterday, uh, their chances have gone up some. Yeah, still a really really long shot because they have to win the next two and back uh, in Cleveland. Obviously, yeah, in Cleveland and and uh, if you if you look at Cleveland's percentage of winning at home is. Everyone has a better chance of winning a home, but it's disproportionate in Cleveland's case. They've just been doing astonishing, astonishing well at home. Hmm. So, uh, all right. Well. So it's a long, long, long shot. But boy, some really interesting games. I mean, if you like baseball, you're looking at two of the best managers oh, in I baseball know. playing the best kind of baseball there is i mean all the little things and putting pinch runners in and yeah. taking your best pitchers out i mean there's so many things that are going on that are just really really fascinating to watch 102 mile an hour fastball last night well not just that uh the, i mean that guy regularly pitches three digit speed uh uh pitches but but it's almost unheard of to bring your closer in. So closers come in, maybe they pitch nine pitches. When they get to 15, yeah. 16 pitches, everybody starts being nervous. This guy comes into the seventh inning. Uh-huh. Uh, pitch longer than know, he ever he, has in his life professionally. Yeah. yeah. The Dodgers did that, by the way, in, in the playoffs. They brought in their closer, who ended up being the best closer in the National League, uh, uh, Kenley Jensen. But And they, they brought him into the seventh inning, and he pulled the game out. But yeah. uh, Anyway, there's cool. a lot of trivia there. But, but um, yeah, I think uh, the Cubs fans might get to have to wait 109th year. Yeah. 109th year. One more year. One more year. And they're young. They, they got it. They're young. They can handle it. Well, Joe Cannon, we appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Oh, one more week, folks. Eight more days of political chaos. And then, you know, four more years of political chaos. Either way. We'll take a break, folks. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world. We'll be back. Talk about good. BYU Radio. Every week we take our listeners someplace fantastic. Folk artist, father, and frequent flyer Eric Dowdle 
brings you on adventures around the world. We eat the food, we talk about what to do, what to see. Every place has a story to tell, and we get to tell that story. Listen in every day at 1 p.m. Eastern with new episodes every Monday. Right here on BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, a little quote for you from Peter Fenn. A basic tenet of a healthy democracy is open dialogue and transparency. So, you know, whatever side you fall on the Clinton email latest update, let's just remember, open dialogue and a transparent government is is essential to democracy either way we look at it. It's a crazy world we live in, folks. But, uh, again, eight more days and then... You get a vote if you haven't voted already. Make sure you use and exercise your rights or just be quiet because if you're not exercising the right, then you may not have the rights uh, down the road either. So little, uh, little, I guess, challenge to all of us. We'll take a break. Come back next hour. More interesting insights, tools to help you live by. This is the Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Hour number two of the program. Dr. Matt here, your guide on the side. Happy Halloween. Yes. Today you get to go home. Get your kids all bundled up in their cute little outfit. Hit the street. Get all sugared up. Get all sugared up. My neighbor turns on his haunted house and attracts people from miles around who like then go moths to a light. Hey, there's a house. Let's go over there. And so we have to have more candy on hand because the uh, neighbor has a haunted house. Darn neighbors. Then we just shut the door. Which is good though, because I want to get all the candy out. There's so much candy. Yeah, but then. Then what? Then you just, once you're out of candy, do you turn off your lights and just yeah. shut it down? Yeah. So my neighbor yeah. uh, turns on their haunted mansion audio, but they don't turn it on until 1030 at night, right when we're laying down to go to bed. Oh, excellent. Right when For you the finally past two got nights. the kids off the sugar high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I have a birthday party today, my granddaughter's birthday. Mm. She's one. So cute. And then, uh, then I just let my kids go. This is the first year I don't have to go out with anybody. Wow. Just let them go. What age are you comfortable with that? Uh, I was comfortable at six. All right. My wife. Not was, so much? She's not so much. Yeah. But my youngest now is 11. Oh, yeah. So he's good to go. Just don't get arrested. Don't See get ya. arrested. And don't carry a weapon. Yeah. And, and don't dress up like a clown. Yeah, and watch much. the streets. But, yeah, we've, we, we live in a fairly safe area. Mm. So, you know, just be back by 10. But he's got a cell phone, so we can track him. <laughs> you really don't have freedom, even though you feel like no. you do. That's the neat thing. These kids think they're free, but they just don't know that we're, you know, we've implanted a chip. Mm. Uh, what a day. Caramel apple day. If you like yourself a good caramel apple, do you like caramel apples? Time and place, yeah. Only yeah. when they're not uh, dipped in poison. Mm. Really? Mm-hmm. The poison really kind of it Nothing makes it kind of a bitter flavor. More than a poisoned apple. Hmm. Said 
I guess said only one person. Like ever. Snow White, right? Yeah, just but Snow hers White. wasn't really a caramel apple; it was uh, just an apple. I still might eat a poisonous apple if it had caramel on it. Yeah, I think I'd you know at least entertain the idea. <laughs> There's caramel right there. <laughs> oh man, that really seriously, a Granny Smith apple with some caramel on it. I could just do that. I bought the little square caramels because mm-hmm. I like those. Yeah, yeah. And I open it up, and there's all these popsicle sticks in in the back. Yeah, see, they think you're going to make them. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. No, I'm no, just no. here to Toss eat the candy. The, I give my the sticks to my kids, hmm. play sticks, <laughs> and then I eat I the bu- caramels. I bought you a toy. Here's some sticks. Oh, look what I got you, son. Some sticks. There used to be a game called Pickup Sticks. Yes, which was Is that piddly sticks? I think that was just a game to get your kids to pick up their sticks that they were playing with. Yeah, put your sticks away. Oh, those were the days back when kids only had sticks. So uh, Caramel Apple Day, a day to, to just you know, be celebrating today. Also, yesterday, we're celebrating it today, Candy Corn Day. This is the one day that you could celebrate the candy corn treat. Mm-mm. All that fun, folks, just to help you get ready for tonight's uh, big event, Halloween. Do you want a candy corn fact? Yes. It was created, first invented in the 1880s by George uh, Ringer. Ringer? Ringer. He was an employee of the Wonderly Candy Company in Philadelphia. Really? It wasn't mass produced until the company that's now known as the Jelly Billy Candy Company yes. started cranking out. What year was that? 18? 1880s when it was invented. Yeah. Say no more. And it's then, a candy from the 1880s. I know. Isn't that great? Very few things have lasted since the 1880s. And you know they were probably trying to make some sort of glue. Yeah. And, oh, wait, this tastes good. Mm, try it, Jerry. <laughs> that doesn't. When it was first first put out by the Jelly Belly candy at the turn of the century, they called it chicken feed. Yeah, duh. Because it's corn, right? Looks like corn. It doesn't even really look like corn, does it? The boxes were illustrated with a rooster logo and a copy that read, something worth crowing for. <laughs> That's a great ad. Yeah. It's called marketing right there. Yeah. Something worth crowing for. We will uh, we'll continue giving you updates, a few other myths probably throughout the day of uh, candy corn because there are so many secrets about the, the, the now infamous and famous. I've got seven more. Candy corn. Candy mm. corn facts. Stay tuned. We'll get to that. But first, let's uh, also, by the way, we're going to be talking about your mind mm. and it's a it's a really complicated thing how you think how you well, see life how so you experience for, the realities for of some life. people i think i i would assume some people might have more of a simplistic yeah. sort of operating yeah. procedure some, there. Some, yeah yeah <laughs> so we'll get into uh mind a journey to the heart of the human being and being human it's interesting topic coming up next but first let's get to the headlines Find out what's going on around the rest of the country. Terry? Thanks, Matt. As we heard from Joe Cannon talking about tracking polls, the ABC News Washington Post tracking poll conducted after James Comey's bombshell suggested that it might hurt Clinton with Donald Trump narrowing his deficit to just one point in a four-person uh-huh. race, two points. Previously, almost all of the gain comes from Republicans and GOP-leaning independents coming home to Trump. But the pollsters also asked about the FBI's review of Clinton's emails. A sizable majority, 63%, said the email would make no difference to how they voted. 34% said it would make them less likely to vote for Clinton. 
So 34%? 34% said it would make them less likely to wow. vote for Clinton. So we'll see what that means later on. A group of four Senate Democrats wrote a letter to FBI Director James Comey on Saturday formally requesting an expedited update on his recent announced investigation into new emails relating to Hillary Clinton, stressing their concern that Comey's investigation was already being misused for political purposes. The four senators asked both Comey and Attorney General Loretta Lynch to provide more detailed information about the investigative steps that are being taken. Hmm. The number of emails involved and what is being done to determine how many of the emails are duplicative of those already reviewed by the FBI. The senators request uh, they requested that they provide an update no later than this morning. Okay, let me get this straight. Yeah. Just, uh, so for a year, for a year, we've they've tried to delay the release of certain emails. Yes, and many won't even be released till after the election. Absolutely. But now they want Comey to sift through six hundred and fifty thousand emails quickly, less than twenty four hours after receiving the actual warrant to do so. Right, within eight days, so that we can know before the election. Okay. And they, they want an update this morning as oh, to what's happening. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. okay. Uh, other news. A Denver cop who claimed $1,200, quote, must have fallen into his bag at the scene of a car crash, was arrested and suspended without pay after footage from his own body camera told a different story. The footage showed uh, Julian Archuleta, a 48-year-old who had been on the force since 2004, responding to a report of shots being fired earlier this month, according to the Denver Post, when the suspects rolled over their car after a short chase. One fled the scene. The other was unconscious in the vehicle. Archuleta's body camera captured him removing money from the suspect's clothing after it had been removed and taken away by paramedics. So turn your body camera off if you're going to steal money. Right. That wasn't a dumb criminal. That was a dumb cop. Uh, And finally, Earl Thomas of the Seattle Seahawks did his team a huge favor Sunday when he recovered a New Orleans Saints fumble, returned it for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. It was a close game. They needed that score. In his jubilation after the play, Thomas ran over and hugged sideline judge Alex Kemp. Uh-oh. Kemp threw a flag immediately calling Thomas for a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that was assessed on the kickoff. <laughs> NFL.com speculates Thomas may have been the latest victim of an NFL crackdown on on-field celebration, but it's also possible he may have simply invaded the referee's personal space. Don't hug the ref. Wow. See, the NFL's been, you know, they've been in trouble for domestic violence issues. They have. What they need to do is give, that was a very quick response. You throw a flag, immediate penalty. Maybe they just need to have flags available to all the family members of the NFL. Good. And then any spouse, child could just throw a flag, boom, penalty, you know. Yeah. With take and, and it'll all take place upon at the kickoff or whatever. Okay. What do you do? NFL. Yeah. <laughs> It's like domestic violence, inflated footballs. What it's the same is thing. the big deal? Now people are talking about how a lot of people are um, disheartened because um, Tom Brady is so excellent at what he does as, at quarterback that yeah. it's now people are disheartened. Like we don't want to. Yeah, it's like, too good. Yeah, we don't want to play against those he, guys. His first game back from suspension, it was like over 400 yards passing and four touchdowns. <laughs> and watch him go all the way deep into the playoffs. If they make it to the Super Bowl, that's the biggest in-your-face to the oh. commissioner of the NFL that you could possibly have. That's right. After he tried to prove a point with the whole deflate gate stuff. Neener, neener, neener. Yeah. Man. Other news. Let me give you some more uh, interesting updates. Um, let's just say, what sport of all sports do Canadians love most? Curling? 
Okay, let me ask Jeffrey. I'm sorry. Jeffrey, what sport <laughs> of all sports is so typical Canadian in uh, their cold it's environment? Definitely ping pong. Okay, mm. well, no, it's actually um, hockey. Oh, right, hockey. But yeah. this is like more of a recent. They've just kind of jumped on the bandwagon of hockey. Yeah. Uh, I think they've pretty much been in hockey since hockey was started. We're, we're more of the bandwagon jumper. We just have yeah. all the teams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a burglar in Canada repelled into a sporting goods store mm. to steal hundreds of dollars of hockey sticks. Did you stop right before the ground? Yeah. Nice. Right an uh, inch off the ground. Don't, don't hit the lasers. Experienced monkey sports manager Greg Goyer says his security company contacted him about the break-in over the weekend. When Goyer arrived, he found 400 high-end hockey sticks worth an estimated total of 120 grand had been stolen. Wow. I know. No traditional signs of a break-in. There were no broken windows. No, uh, The doors were still locked. But apparently, the guy had repelled from the ceiling down a rope and uh, got out 400 sticks. How do you do that? So maybe he was just playing pickup sticks. Yeah, could have been. Great point. He just bundled them together and send them up. He had to have an accomplice. Yeah. Because there's no way he could have pulled that off by himself, no. you don't think. Do you go? Do you bundle the sticks or do you just go one by one? It would take too long one by one. You could, just, you could have a 5,000-foot rope, just keep tying them on, <laughs> keep tying pulling them out. on, just keep pulling sticks out. That sounds like an inside job. Like, Somebody knew yeah. how to get in the building. At, at Experience Monkey Sports, <laughs> which is a ridiculous name. That is a ridiculous name, but nothing scarier, by the way, than an experienced monkey. That's true. Because as I was on the beaches of Costa Rica, mm. we saw experienced monkeys. They kept saying, watch out for your stuff because these monkeys will run out and grab it. And once a monkey's got your stuff, you're not getting it back. So, Nor would you want it back. Yeah, True. And so what do you do? So I was once he puts on your hat, you're like, I was worried about the monkeys, but honestly, a raccoon came out on the beach and I was face to face with a raccoon. Now is is it a raccoon or a raccoon? In uh in in Costa Rica it's a raccoon. Oh wow, whole different There's only one of them? Oh there were two. Oh. But only one messed with me. Dos raccoons? Dos raccoons? Había dos raccoons. <laughs> I don't know how you say raccoon. Raccoonist. But they, um, <laughs> honestly, I fought off a raccoon. Wouldn't they be like El Bandito? They do look like El Bandito. Okay. But these things are fearless. And yeah. they, they were right there on my towel. Hmm. And I'm like, I didn't know what to do. What do you do? I didn't have anything to throw at him. You're all, shoo, shoo. And my wife was screaming and I'm like, ah! How'd you know it was a raccoon? Because... Wasn't it wearing a mask of some kind? Yeah. It yeah, usually but, throws people off when they wear a mask. But it still looked like a dog with a pointy nose and a raccoon tail. All right. You know what I mean? So it's all good. Lots of wildlife then. But here's the cool thing. Mm. So then I got a stick. In case they came back, he peeked his head around, threw a stick at him. Nailed him. <laughs> didn't budge. Nailed it! He didn't care. <sighs> I fought off mosquitoes. Yeah. From Costa Zica. Costa Zica. I picked up something. I picked up, I have a bug now. I Uh-oh. don't know what it is. Is it like internal? It's kind of internal. Like but a friend? It's a friend that's not so friendly. Like Wally the tapeworm? But it exhausts me, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what it is. He's down there like, you know, latching on and sucking <laughs> yeah. life force yeah. out of you. Okay, cool. I And I I mean, I'm familiar with tapeworms. I've had, I've had a few. Hmm. But Slick and Slider, by the way, were their names. Great guys. Um... 
another crazy story for you about Donald Trump. If if you really want to take it out on these candidates, there's still a way you can do it. Now you can um, you can actually get in a tank mm. and go crush Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton right. in an attempt to uh, to help jaded Americans. A company called Drive a Tank is offering tank rides where customers can crush mannequins that look a lot like the candidates of their choice. I'm crushing your head. I'm crushing your head. I pity you and I crush you. Sorry, nothing personal. I'm apolitical. (laughs) The apolitical crushing that you drive a tank located in Casola, Minnesota, now offers um, people a chance to demolish an old car with a tank. For only $649. Yeah, it's a deal. It's an additional 249 if you want to throw in a Clinton or Trump dummy. Ooh. Why don't you just get on your lawnmower and just run over some political signs? Hmm. Wouldn't That's that be pretty much idea. the same thing? Well, except, yeah, you'll ruin your lawnmower. This way you just get to destroy their tank and their cars. See? It seems kind of scary when you're just, you're going to put a person in it. I mean, that's kind of... That's not mentally Well, it's a, a mannequin with a goofy face, so it doesn't really look human. <sighs> and besides, it's, it's, it's either Hillary or Donald, so, you know, get your aggression out. Drive-a-tank owner Tony Borglum created the Candid Date, Candid Date package. Yeah, there's some marketing issues here. Yeah. First yeah. off, the name of the place, Drive-a-tank. Drive-a-tank. It's a little on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is there a place called Rent-a-Car? Probably. Yes. Okay. Um, do a show is that we we used to call this the do a show. The do a show. It's a, might have a little bit more creativity with nah. drivetank.com. <laughs> what do you want to call the show, Matt? Do a show. Do a show. Talk on Mike. Talk, Talk on, on Mike. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so can date package allows you to get in there if you want a mannequin of your candidate. Three hundred bucks extra. Four hundred bucks extra. But you know, wow, a little bit of a political premium there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. If you want to put. Uh, James Comey in from the FBI. Oh, wow. Don't do it because the FBI can investigate you. Yeah. So just I just abstain. You'd think they have a problem with this. Yeah. Well, you would think the Secret Service would. Well, that and someone has a tank in Minnesota. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> now, before we take our break, we've got to uh, get to, as you know, we, uh, we've been making a pick. Jeff Simpson, Co-host here put together 12 Days of Halloween Movies. Here is his final day, his final pick for his favorite Halloween movies. Let me give you a little tease, too. There's someone on the way. Something. (laughs) Here we go. This is Jeff Simpson here with my last pick for the 12 Days of Halloween Movies. Happy Halloween. Imagine, if you will, hitching a ride with a stranger in complete darkness. Want to see something real scary? Sure. I love this. Okay? Yeah, what? We're driving along here, right? Yeah. What are those gravel beds up ahead? They're going to fly up and knock out our lights. Uh-oh. Blackness. Oh, my goodness. Why, there could be nuns ahead. We wouldn't even see them. An amusing hypothetical. But, of course, most people wouldn't take that ride. Especially if they knew it would drive them full speed into Twilight Zone, the movie. The characters in our story, or rather unwilling participants, struggle, some in vain, to escape a nightmare. And in the case of our first character, it's a nightmare of his own making. 
Meet Bill Connor, a most unhappy man who blames all his woes in life on people who in his eyes are inferior. But he quickly learns that justice is blind. Our next story proves that monsters come in all shapes and sizes. Case in point, Anthony Fremont, a six-year-old boy who always gets his way. He can read other people's minds, feel their emotions, and disappear anyone who contradicts him with the snap of his fingers. Our saga concludes with not-so-frequent flyer John Valentine, the man who cried wolf, or in this case, goblin. But Mr. Valentine isn't lying about what he sees, or at least what he thinks he sees, tearing apart the wing of his airplane. This Halloween, be sure to witness for yourself these terrifying tales. But you may want to sleep with the lights on, because in the dark, you may find one of many passageways that lead to the Twilight Zone. The movie. The mind is an interesting subject, but it's also a hard thing to research. There's no real clear-cut standard definition of the mind. Wouldn't it just be nice to take a trip through the mind and know exactly how everything works? Isn't it the mind, really, that creates your identity of who you are, how you appear to others, how you want to appear? While that seems uh, so impossible to actually get in-depth and understanding about the mind, our next guest does all he can to help us take us on this trip. Um, And we're excited to have him on. Dr. Daniel J. Siegel joins us. He's a clinical professor of psychiatry at UCLA School of Medicine and is the author of Mind, A Journey to the Heart of Being Human. Dr. Daniel Siegel, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Now, this to me, I I love this topic of mind because um, it really is. It's the core to being human. I, I guess that's that why it's you take us on the journey of the heart to the heart of being human talk to us how how did you get so interested in the mind well it, you know it started when i was in college actually when i was um asked to uh volunteer um as a part of a, a, a college experience as a uh, suicide prevention hotline uh worker on the phone and I was taught that the way you focus on someone's inner mental life, their feelings, the meaning of things in their life, the story of their life, could make a difference between whether the person in crisis on the phone, the other end of the phone, chose to either end their life or continue their life. You hmm. could keep hope alive by just identifying the mind. So that gave me a direct experience as, a, as an adolescent that the mind was really important. Talk to us about, I mean, how do we define the mind? I, I think a lot of people, we, we don't quite know how to define it. it. It's versus the brain, versus the just the, the, folk, the way of thinking, our consciousness. Explain the mind to us. Well, exactly, exactly, Matt. This is the issue that's so intriguing. First of all, in the various fields that work with the mind, like I'm trained as a psychiatrist, I work as a psychotherapist, I'm part of the larger field of mental health. Um, you might be surprised, as your listeners may be too, that there actually is no definition 
of the mind, short of just saying, well, it's brain activity, but that actually doesn't really get you to what the mind is all about. That's crazy. Definition of mind. And and what happened with me was, you know, this really troubled me, actually. And so at, at a minimum, what we mean by mind is right now, as you're listening to me speaking, you have a subjective feeling of it. You have the perception of it. You have the decoding of meaning of it. You have the thoughts you might have as I'm speaking, those subjective experience of thinking and feeling and and memory, those are all what we mean with the word mind. They're not definitions, but they're descriptions of what we mean. Hmm. Isn't that strange that we, every one of us has a mind, we process through it, we subjectively experience the world, we think, which leads also, I'm assuming, to feelings, conscious and subconscious. I mean, all of this is going on in a mind, and yet, professionally, we haven't really defined it. We don't... No, those are good descriptions, and what happened with me back in the early 90s, the beginning of the decade of the brain, was so many people were saying what actually Hippocrates said 2,500 years ago, was that... Our mental life, our feelings, our thoughts, stuff like that, is just brain activity. And so what I asked in the early 90s from a bunch of uh, colleagues of mine at the university was, is that really the final story? Is mind simply a word we mean for brain activity? And the group couldn't come to any consensus about what the mind was. With the brain, we could talk about that, but no one had agreements. There were anthropologists, sociologists, linguists in the room. There were neuroscientists in the room. So what I offered the following week was a definition beyond just these ideas of subjective experience. And it's a, it's a long story, but the short version of it is when you look at the system that's happening now between me and you, Matt, mm-hmm. it's a sharing of energy and information flow. Energy meaning the sound that I'm making from this body I live in is actually leading to electrical changes in the phone I'm on. It comes and it actually makes the speaker uh, shake uh, air molecules, which is what sound is, and that's energy. So when it's in certain patterns that have symbolic value, it's information. Like if I say radio program or if I say, you know, uh, uh, life, these are all symbolic forms of energy. So Hmm. energy and information is flowing between us in a relationship. And it's exactly what we mean when we say brain firing. We mean energy and information flowing, not just in the head, but throughout the whole body. So in this group, a long time ago, I said, well, if there is one process, energy and information flow, that is both happening inside your skin and case body, let's just call that the brain, and between you, let's just call that relationships, then what would the mind be if it was shared by both an inner experience, energy and information flow within you, and between you, energy and information flow shared, and through a long line of kind of deep scientific reasoning, which I describe in this new book, Mind, you can say that there is what's called an emergent self-organizing process that regulates energy and information flow, and that's straight out of a field called mathematics. And in this mathematical view, what's really exciting about it is when you define the mind as the self-organizing, emergent, where is it? Embodied and relational. What does it do? It regulates energy and information flow. Then you can ask the next question, which is, 
if that's a good definition of the mind, if it's a workable definition, how would you optimize self-organization to actually define what a healthy mind is? And what I describe in the book is in the last 24 years since that proposal was made, we now have a ton of research available all around the world to show the following things that are supported by that view. Optimal self-organization comes when you create something called integration, when you differentiate parts of, let's say, a relationship. You and I can be different from each other, but then we link with respectful communication. That would be an integrated relationship. You can show when people in a relationship like that, they're healthy. Mm. And in the brain, too, you can show when integration is there, you're healthy. So integration is how you make optimal self-organization, and it looks like, from the evidence we have now, that that hypothesis, a healthy mind is a mind that creates integration inside you and between you and others in the world, that looks like it's supported by the empirical research we have now. Wow. And it has to be, I guess the mind has to be done in um, in interaction with others and with life. It can't be done in a vacuum. Exactly. Well, think about like if you and I went for a walk on the beach, right, either on a lake or let's right. say the ocean, um, you know, if you said, well, what's the coast? And you said, is it the water of the lake or the ocean or is it the sand, you know? Hmm. And I said, hey, Matt, it's both. You can't have a coast without water and land. That defines it. It's the two things. I think it's the same thing with the mind, and I think that's why we've been so, in a way, perplexed, because we want to put it in one place. We want to say, well, your mind comes from inside your head, and so, you know, for 2,500 years, people have been saying this, that the mind is just brain activity in, in certain forms of science, and, you know, this allows us to actually see that it's both inside you. The brain is really, really important, for sure, but just as you're saying... The mind is beyond just brain activity. Mm. It includes our relationality, our connections to each other. And then suddenly everything starts making sense about why the best predictor of your medical health, the health of your body, your mental health, the health of your mind, how long you live, your longevity, and actually how happy you are, the best predictor of all four of those things, are your supportive relationships. And that's because the mind emerges from them. It isn't just shaped by them. It comes from your relationships. Interesting. So and in, in a way, you're explaining something that forever we would have studied through the body, but you can't really understand the mind through a body paradigm, right? And, I think that's absolutely true. And you can't understand it even just through a psychological paradigm or through a spiritual paradigm. You kind of need the space between each of those. You know, the space between is exactly... It. And I, I used to do work with John O'Donohue, who was a, a wonderful spiritual man who died about nine years ago. And his last book was called The Space Between Us, To Bless the Space Between Us. And, you know, we used to work on, he was a Catholic, former Catholic priest and a uh, philosopher and a poet. And we used to talk about how, you know, if you look deeply at human experience, and this is why the subtitle of the book is, you know, A Journey to the Heart of Being Human. And I talk about John a bit in the book. You know, I invite the reader to actually not just get a download of information, because that exists in lots of books, especially about the brain. But I say, look, let's go on a journey together in this book. Let's ask some fundamental questions. And let's see what you as a reader experience in addressing the questions so that you are going to have an experience now 
that is beyond just gathering information. And what people have said so far when they've read the book is it's more about transformation. It's about actually changing your perspective on what you're capable of, expanding that, of who you actually are, expanding that, and actually deepening an understanding of how to create well-being in your life. That's so, Yeah, that's what it's yeah. about, right? It's, it's well-being. It's about health in all aspects of our life. Exactly. Well, this is the thing that's been so, i got to say, unbelievably uh, exciting about this, and I feel so grateful to be on this journey with so many wonderful people, which is this. Once we define the mind rather than having no definition, which mm-hmm. is the amazing reality, I've asked like 100,000 mental health professionals, and only about 2 to 5% excuse me, say they were offered a definition of the mind. And so what we can see from that is that you know, even the field of mental health, my field, has kind of been out of its mind. So <laughs> now we have this idea that, okay, well, you could wor- use this working definition of the mind, and it's not in contrast to other definitions, it's actually the only definition out there short of brain activity. And then you say, okay, <clears throat> if that's true, here's a healthy mind, and then you get to the integration piece. And then you look at the research over the last 24 years, and you go, an integrated brain, according to the Human Connectome Project, which is looking at different areas of the brain and how they're linked, it's called the connectome, hmm. the best predictor of every measure of well-being that they could find, and looking at every combination of the way the brain is put together that they could study, the best predictor of well-being is how, what the way they use it, the term is how interconnected the connectome is. What that means is how the differentiated areas are linked, which means how integrated the brain is. So now we can say that every factor of well-being that could be studied was best predicted by how integrated your brain is. And then if you look at every study to date, anyway, of people with serious psychiatric challenges, you know, like people with schizophrenia or manic depressive illness or autism, you know, where there are challenges to well-being, you can show integration is impaired, and Mm. those are not caused by what parents do, but in situations where kids have experienced severe abuse or neglect, they too have impaired integration of the brain, and so interventions, whether it's in therapy or in families or in, you know, in our communities, interventions that help promote integration and help bring people from these challenging states to more integrated Mm. well-being. Love it. Uh, We're learning about your mind, folks. Uh, Interventions to promote healthy integration in the mind as well. We'll come back more with Dr. Daniel Siegel and his book, Mind, A Journey to the Heart of Being Human. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Talk about good. BYU Radio. This is Jeff Simpson with my next pick for the 12 Days of Halloween Movies. Some of my earlier picks were the comedies Young Frankenstein, The Burbs, and Monster House. But enough of this funny business. Let's get back to some genuinely scary films. Have you ever received a chain letter or email? You know, it contains a message that tries to convince you to pass along the letter or email to someone else, often threatening bad luck or even death for non-compliance. You've got mail. Goodbye. If you have, please tell me you haven't fallen for it. Well, my next pick 
the 2002 horror hit The Ring has a similar theme to it. The film follows a Seattle journalist, played by Naomi Watts, who investigates the mysterious death of her niece. Her search for the truth leads her to discover the creepy videotape viewed by her niece prior to her horrific demise. And after watching it herself, Watts's character is in a race against time to solve the mystery of the tape before she suffers a similar fate. Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? You start to play it, and it's like somebody's nightmare. And as soon as it's over, your phone rings. Someone knows you've watched it. And what they say is, you will die in seven days. Now, I've never responded to a chain letter or viewed a chain movie, but I have seen plenty of movies that were so bad that the experience almost killed me. From Touchstone Pictures. Shaquille O'Neal. Rated PG. Luckily, this is not one of those films. I remember going to see this movie on a chilly October night, not knowing anything about the plot, and afterwards, I remember thinking it was the scariest movie that had been made in years. And the rest of the world seemed to think so too. The Ring went on to earn around $250 million. But what's really remarkable is that this is the epitome of the word-of-mouth movie. It's one of those rare films where the box office numbers increase instead of decrease from week to week. Maybe people thought the movie was some sort of chain letter and they had to convince five other people to see it in order to avoid some unspeakable tragedy. Hmm, I may be onto something there. Seven days. <laughs> now luckily, we know watching a videotape could never kill us. Mostly because we don't watch videotapes anymore. However, just to be on the safe side, the next time someone sends you a chain letter... It's probably best you just send it back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Joining me on the phone is Dr. Daniel Siegel. Daniel uh, received his medical degree from Harvard University and completed his postgraduate medical education at UCLA with training in pediatrics and child, adolescent, and adult psychiatry. He has served as a National Institute of Mental Health Research Fellow at UCLA and is a clinical professor of psychiatry at UCLA. Uh, currently, he's also the founding co-director of the Mindfulness Aware, uh, Mindful Awareness Research Center at UCLA. And his most recent book, titled Mind, A Journey to the Heart of Being Human, was released on October 18th. Uh, Dr. Daniel Siegel, thank you again so much for being with us. A pleasure to be here, Matt. I really, th- to me, this is a just a love of mine, this topic. Um, and also, especially because two hours ago I had to talk about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and the stress we're all under. But it's it's yeah. interesting because it's impacting our collective mind, right? It's impacting... As we interact on this, as it, if we're feeling all of this tension, all of this anxiety about this, it's our mind that's being stressed, isn't it? 
Well, exactly, exactly. And it is a collective experience we have, you know. And, and, you know, if we want to get really concrete about it, you know, you get in an elevator and there's this glum feeling or, you know, I went to the gym this morning and after the person was done on the elliptical and I was getting on, there was a news report on and I said, how's the news? He goes, it's all bad. <laughs> you know, and I could feel him and everyone. You the energy. Feel heaviness yeah. that's there. And it is a shared it is a shared experience of mind we have, and I think the, the the downside of that, of course, is that, you know, we can influence each other and, you know, start feeling bad. But the upside is we really belong in a larger social network, and unfortunately, and I think this is one of the points I, w- I hope the book can have people start to talk about, is that, you know, with the view that... Um, science and society has held that the mind kind of just comes from your head or at least comes from your body and the self that comes from the mind is a solo thing we feel very isolated we feel like we don't belong anywhere and it can lead to a lot of suffering a lot of despair and it actually may be a false view that the mind is not just coming from inside your skull It's not even coming from only inside your skin. You could say, well, how can that be? Well, energy and information flow is not limited by skull or skin. And you realize that it's shared even now between me and you and everyone listening to us. So this is the exciting opportunity we have to open up the conversation through the media, through the schools, through science, through family life Hmm. that says, look, you're not just a me. You're also a we, and the way I end the book is I talk about how an integrated identity would be honoring both the internal experience of mind, which is, let's call it me. So I want to know my history. I want to make sure I get good sleep for this body that I'm given the opportunity to take care of. I want to feed it well. I want to exercise it well. That's all good and important. That's me. We differentiate that experience of self, and then we say, hey, you know, there's a an interconnected self, a relational self. Let's just call that a we. And we want to honor that too. We don't want to just say it's icing on the cake. It is just as much a part of the cake as your body. So you go, okay, well, wow, then my relational self is a we. My inner self is a me. How do I integrate that? And that's where we come up with this simple three-letter word, we, M-W-E. You say that's really your identity, that we are a we, and together, we can make things happen. And especially with the election year, you know, um, whatever the result is going to be, we need to come together as a nation, literally, and make things better, whoever we've chosen as the president. And that's really the bigger issue. And it's also true not just with the United States. We have to do this on our planet. Since mm. We're also deeply influencing each other. So is that when you say integrated, do you mean an integrated mind that is integrating the we, the me and the we, um, but also integrating, I guess that is my body and your body and our relationship? I mean, it's it's really, we've got to, we've got to, and I guess is what you're saying, um, Dr. Siegel, the lack of health comes when I guess we're too focused on the me. Yes. Versus or I mean, the other way, or the or the we focused on a we. But you Even don't want to do yeah. that either. You want to right. balance the two. Interesting. So, so yeah. What can I do just in my life, day in day out, to to uh, to facilitate more of the we mentality? Mm-hmm. 
Well, one, one simple um, pattern that emerges from defining the mind is, one, we've said that integration is how you optimize self-organization, which is our definition of mind, and that you realize it's both within your whole body, not just your head, and it's also between your body and other people or other things in the planet, your pets, the, the, the environment, all sorts of ways we're connected in the world. And the interesting pattern that comes from that is health comes from integration, but then you can ask the question, well, how would I know if integration is not there? And amazingly, there's a very simple pattern of either chaos in your life or rigidity. So it's kind of like a river. The central flow of the river is harmony, which comes from integration. That's health. And one bank outside of this river of well-being, of integration, is chaos. The other side of the river, the other bank, is rigidity. So the first thing to say is if you start noticing a lot of rigidity in your life or a lot of chaos, it's a kind of red flag that should say to you, hey, something isn't quite integrated enough. Now, depending on what's going on, and I talk about this in the book, there's, there can be too much uh, linkage. Like in some families, there's not uh, an encouragement of people to find their own differentiated identity, the thing a person particularly likes, and so they're clinging to just being a part of a larger group. That can lead to chaos or rigidity, or at the other extreme, it can be where you're excessively differentiated. You're too much me, 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 and that also hmm. can lead to chaos and rigidity. So the, the first big way to respond to your question, Matt, which is a great question, what can we do, you know, is to say <clears throat> chaos and rigidity show you that the balance of differentiation and linkage, what creates integration and well-being, is not there, and then you want to explore, okay, well, how is it not here in my life? What people have found, which is so exciting, is that when they detect chaos or rigidity, they realize they're empowered to do something themselves with their lives right there hmm. and say, I got it. I can shift this way where I'm too much of a me, let's say, in that one example. And I can start realizing that what I do to help other people not only helps other people, it actually helps me. In so many studies, it's really clear. If you want to be happy, help someone else. Hmm. And if you want other people to be happy, help someone else. So the ways we reach out and connect, even when people are suffering, so you say, well, but they're suffering, I don't want to get connected with that. Actually, it's just the opposite. When you compassionately reach out to someone suffering, both of you benefit from that. And I think the reason is, is we're way too isolated. And in this isolation, there's a sad feeling of, of being basically not belonging anywhere. And the mind needs to belong. And we need to create a new kind of culture in our modern society that recognizes that the mind emerges from this we. That's really where it comes from. And any um, uh, excessive deviation of too much this way or too much that way is going to actually give us a lot of suffering, and we can actually do something about it. Oh, I see this a lot in relationships where they're arguing, but what they're arguing about is the rigidity of one and the chaos of another and yeah. and, and how we throw each other into these storms or into these discomfort zones. And I get, one of the things I hear you saying is that when you notice that that's happening, it's a sign of a lack of integration. And instead of, you know, retre retreating back to your 
typical way, figure out another way to do this. Exactly. And this is, you know, what you just summarized in that last phrase, what you just said, the whole sentence, is exactly the whole model. And it comes from deeply scientific thinking based on research established findings that then empower you to take exactly what you said, Matt, and say, okay, wow. So the pattern is rigidity and chaos show me something's off in integration. Yes, that's right. And I can do something as an individual to explore my relationships or explore the way my own inner life is working and then find ways to create more integration. The answer is yes. And then when people do that, do they actually have a big transformation in how their life is going? And the answer is yes. Mm. So that's the whole thing. Yeah, right? it's, all, it's all yes and yes. Oh, yeah, I love it's it. Remarkable. Yeah. Right? And so we just want to get the word out because, yes, you can do this individually, and that's really, really important. But people need to know that the mind is not just something that happens inside their brain. And that's sadly what, you know, I'm a scientist and what science has been telling us for 2,500 years. And, you know, part of the challenge is to find a new way to have a conversation with each other about who we really are. Love it. Dr. Daniel Siegel, uh, best of luck to you and this wonderful new book, Mind, A Journey to the Heart of Being Human. Folks, this is how we change our lives. We change our minds. And we do it uh, through integration with one another and with the world around us. Powerful stuff, folks. Helping you see the good in the world. We'll be right back. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends. With Halloween being tonight, what better way to celebrate it than with Leanna Tan, one of our great producers, and her take on Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. Tonight is the night when all the ghosts and goblins and little children come out dressed up in their Halloween garb. The stress of costume shopping is over. Now you get to reap all the sugar-packed benefits of your hard work. And let me tell you, costume shopping is hard work. I had to go to like three different stores, sort through racks and racks of clothing and clearance, enter the massive lines at the registers just to put together what I thought was a simple costume. But you know what I've noticed as I went costume shopping this year? All that cutesy princess stuff and fun cartoon character stuff has been pushed to the back of the shelves. Everyone seems to want to see who can have the creepiest, scariest, most horrifying costumes. <laughs> well, if you're one of those last-minute costume shoppers, let me help you out. I've given this a lot of thought. And if you really want to have the scariest costume this year, here are five costume ideas that I've come up with that will be sure to terrify anyone who sets eyes on you. What? Bedhead. My hair is a had some pretty terrifying wake-up calls in the morning when I look in the mirror. In fact, one of those days was today. Fall asleep with my hair still wet and wake up looking like Medusa. Truly a scary sight for anyone who sees me before 8 a.m. Finals week. Just the thought of it makes me shudder. It's like an ominous feeling that looms over you month after month. But just imagine opening your door to have that staring you in the face. Hey, neighbor. We have this wicked college party next door. 
And we totally have extra calculus exams. Now, what kind of a neighbor would I be if I didn't come and offer you one of these take-home finals? Only takes three hours. You sure you don't want an exam? What's more blood-curdling than being elbow-deep in bills and government forms? Doesn't the thought of becoming an adult and having to figure out all those numbers just make you want to scream? (laughs) Not to mention the fact that your paycheck is dwindling and one forgetful moment, and you may have the IRS at your doorstep asking a lot more from you than candy. Relationships. Of course. There's no other costume that will make people perspire more than this one. Met my own lover in the grocery store. When people open their doors and see relationships on their doorstep asking something from them, they will have flashbacks of all those emotionally numbing first dates, guessing games, and harsh breakups. Be ready for people to literally be fleeing from your presence when you wear this costume tonight. The look on your mother's face when you take out her wedding china set for the party you're going to have with your friends. There is literally nothing more terrifying than this. But let me warn you, this costume will take much more than just a reddened face with fire coming out of your eyes and smoke coming out of your ears. You must accompany this with shrieks of horror and never-ending exclamations of your intentions to banish your child to the infernal pit of their bedroom. Well, there you go. You might need to get a little creative, but if you can master any one of these terrifying costumes, you'll have every costume shot beat by a long shot. Now, go traumatize your neighbors and be sure to drop your local therapist's business cards in those kids' trick-or-treat bags tonight. Happy hunting! Well, I'm Leanna Tan, and that's my little tangent. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you and happy Halloween. Tonight's the night uh, you get to go out with the ghosts and the goblins, knock doors and ask for free candy. Today, it's going to be a good one. I can already tell. Uh, In fact, today we will be speaking with how to have some self-control tonight. How to make sure you get your steps in. You know, get your exercise down, eat a healthy meal for you and the family. You do know the 10,000 steps doesn't necessarily equate to real exercise. No, okay. I, I do know that. Oh, I know that. I think as a society, we, we might be convincing ourselves of that. But it's, I mean, it's good to go do something, yeah. but 10,000 steps really isn't – that's just maybe walking around leisurely for the day. I used to have a fit, a fit bit. Yeah. And if I just shook my hand right, I'd get steps. I wouldn't even have to step. There you go. And then my father-in-law just told me about how important diet is. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Toys about diet. Eat some candy. Today, by the way, Caramel Apple Day. Mm. If you want to live healthy, long lives, 
you may not want to start with a caramel apple, but you'll definitely want to end with one. It's a good way to go. I mean, it's a fast way to go. I could eat a caramel apple every day. Have you ever had like the real gourmet ones that are dipped in with toppings and caramel? It's everything. It's got everything on it. It's a meal. Hmm. It's got like a. I could have one of those a week, yeah. And they're like $30 each. Yeah, exactly. I have a a person that always gifts them to me. There's that tax when they throw the word gourmet on it. Yeah. Yeah. The gourmet tax. That just means expensive. Mm -hmm. But doesn't a caramel apple beat a candy corn any day? I don't know. Not to Terry. Terry likes a little... Depends. He he likes the candy corn. If the caramel apple is dipped in candy corn... Ugh. That might be something to, no, to behold. No, that's not gourmet. Yesterday was National Candy Corn Day. Yeah. Today we're celebrating it. In though. 1950, the price of candy corn, about yeah. 25 cents a pound. Today, <laughs> it's about eight ninety nine a pound. Wow. Yeah, a little inflation there. Uh, about 9 billion kernels of candy corn, more than 35 million pounds are sold annually. You know, it's not real corn. It's corn. Corn syrup. And on one eight-hour shift at the Jelly Belly plant, they make 28,000 pounds of candy corn. In one hour. In one eight-hour shift. Wow. Who's buying this? I don't know. Not even for well, Halloween. Definitely the 80-year-olds. And the, the best news is one kernel of candy corn is about five calories. Really? A pound? No, an ounce. So one ounce is 110 calories. So it's really not that. And it's all fat-free. It's just, sure. it's, it's just sugar. It's just sugar that messes you up. But hey, it's, fat, it's fat-free. Just take a spoonful of sugar. It's You're prob- good. It's probably got no GMOs unless the you know sugar is the different kind of sugar. Yeah. That's, I don't it's know. It's gluten-free. It makes my heart race just thinking about it. Yeah. They're great. They're great for candles, as I've been saying. Oh, you, I love putting a little wick in my candy corn. So, um, fun day today, folks. Let's make sure you make it fun for your kids as well. It's hard when you come home from a long day. You just want to, you know, go to bed. But tonight, we party. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a lot to talk about. In fact, Margaret Marshall will be joining us talking about self-control and Halloween. She'll be giving us some tips as parents for how we can just have a healthier, does not, you don't have to go crazy, but a little healthier Halloween night and week. Try not to plow through the entire bowl of candy. Right. Leave some for the trick or treaters. And she's even she's got a suggestion that maybe you keep some of it and then you donate the rest to Goodwill. Hmm. Like you take it to a homeless shelter. Okay. Let them poison their people. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. We will my kids will hide their candy and then we'll find a mouse has eaten through it. Or we'll find it a year later. Hmm. So they're hiding it from you? I think, yeah, probably. Wow. I usually have to hide it from my children, but it's yeah. really just an excuse for no. me to have my own stash. My kids don't realize that I know my house. Hello? I know my house. You can't keep it away from me. Well, uh, interesting day today. In fact, let's get to the headlines before we get into all the Halloween fun. Uh, of course, this hour we'll do the headlines. We'll come back, visit also eventually our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. In fact, I just saw Spencer Linton is in the house in costume, mm. dressed up like a uh, a 1940s basketball player, I think, because the uniform didn't quite fit. Didn't quite fit. A little tight. Really tight. No. John Stockton-esque. We'll get to uh, see what those guys are doing on their show at the top of the hour, plus, of course, our hero story. But first to Terry 
And uh, Terry, what's going on with the headlines around the country? Thanks, Matt. The FBI could take weeks to scour through the 650,000 emails contained on Anthony Weiner's laptop, according to a new report, although exact estimates have varied because no one actually knows. FBI Director James Comey announced on Friday that the agency had found new emails relating to its probe of Hillary Clinton's private email server, and subsequent reports have indicated that they were recovered as part of an investigation into Weiner's sexting allegations. Metadata contained on the computer suggests that thousands of messages were sent to or from Clinton's private server, which is why this is a point of interest. The FBI received a warrant on Sunday to begin reviewing the emails. We'll see how far they get by, well, what, next month? Mm -hmm. Who knows? At least 21 million Americans have already cast ballots for the 2016 election so far, with Democrats outperforming Republicans in most states. This suggests that the so-called October surprises revolving around Hillary Clinton and all her email wonderment I think we should call it that. Email Wonderment. What do you think? Email Wonderment. Let's do it. They're not having much impact on the battleground states. According to the New York Times, most of the Democratic gains this year are owed to high turnout among Hispanic voters who have in the past tended to wait until later to vote. Consumer purchases climbed in September by the most in three months as incomes grew, signaling momentum in the biggest part of the U.S. economy. The 0.5% advance in spending, which accounts for about 70% of the economy, followed a 0.1% decline last month. While the results indicate a solid handoff in the final quarter of 2016 and a positive sign for the economy as we head into the holiday spending season. Yay! Positive economic news. There's money coming yeah. in. Yeah. The Chicago Cubs are trailing the Cleveland Indians in the best of seven World Series by a 3-2 to two margin and now have only a 24% chance of taking home the Commissioner's Trophy. Hmm. The website 538 has calculated. Coincidentally, the Atlantic points out that Donald Trump has those exact same odds for winning the White House next week. Wow. Read into that what you will. Oh, it's got to be higher than 24% for the Cubs. That's what they say, 24% for the Cubs. That's kind of sad. Cubs versus Indians. Um, what is it? 3-2 for the Indians, mm-hmm. and they're going home. Man. The Dodgers were down two games to one, and the Cubs uh, came back to win three games in a row to take it all. So they it's not like they haven't done this before. Right. They've done it. They just haven't done it against the Cleveland Indians. Right. Hmm. Excellent news, I might say. Uh, again, you know, we, we don't want to... We don't want to be labor the point. Don't let the politics of today ruin the night of Halloween. It's scary either way. It is. So use it. Use this. Use it. Use it. Use it. Hey, interesting story um, that does have a little bit of a Donald Trump kind of, you know, Trump's got to win Florida. Yes. Along with Pennsylvania, North Carolina, a bunch of states. Ohio. Yes. And the whole the whole gamut, um, but so does Hillary Clinton. So there's a big battle, but something smells funny, a mystery smell in Florida. Really, Ofi- officials continue to try to identify a mystery odor that's plaguing residents near Seminole Volusia County line in Florida. Mm. Do you recognize this sniffer? It's a cereal sniffer. <laughs> Yeah. He, so, also, he also like needs a drink of water. I think that's part of the taste. He's cleansing his palate. Yeah. Uh, that's Donald Trump sniffing. Um, Seminole County, Lake Mary, and Sanford Fire Departments have been contacted multiple times in recent days about what callers thought was a gas leak. Officials said, however, that no gas leaks have been found, and the source of the odor remains a mystery. Hmm. They don't know what the odor is. So I think they ought to, when Donald Trump goes there, pull out that sniffer, 
go figure out what the smell is. He'll win Florida. So if this whole president thing doesn't work out, maybe he should become a professional sniffer? Oh, yeah. I think he already is a professional sniffer. I mean, he gets his sniffing gets more attention than anything else. Many callers describe the smell as an egg-like odor. Okay. Uh, and the Seminole County Special Hazards and Operations Team has conducted testing, and county and city officials are working with partnering agencies to help identify the sources of the odor. I know what it is, having is been it? in a van hmm. with my family. Uh-oh. It might be wet towels. Okay. I, from I've the been beach. There, right, yeah. And, you know, you do that enough in a week, and eventually the car smells like a wet dog, hmm. even when there's no towels in the car. So maybe I'd check the towels in Florida. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. It's just, it's a hypothesis. Now, an egg smell, is it like an omelet? Mm. I think it's more like a Cobb salad. Okay. I love okay. egg and Cobb. Salad. That works. That's a good smell. That's a great smell. But they're complaining about it, so it might not be a good smell. Yeah, it sounds like a bad thing. Hmm. Pork well, people. More investigation. We'll stay on top of it for you. But you know what? When there's um, an update, you'll know. And again, there's a very positive story coming out of Florida right there. What's that? Well, that was it. Oh, but there's a smell? Yeah. Oh. Usually the stories that come out of Florida are negative, like yes. the next one. Oh, okay. Uh, a half-headed Florida man. For example. Yeah, for example. <laughs> a half-headed Florida man oh, yeah. has been arrested on arson. Got to look this up. And attempted murder charges. A Miami man with a deformed skull who has now become known as half-headed man. It's like a milk dud. It just has this weird... It's just misformed. No, he was in an accident. Oh, he was. Yeah. That's tragic. These are two separate But by the way, so the, but the accident might be the reason he's got these other issues. Could be. Right? So he was arrested Monday on arson and first-degree attempted murder charges. Miami police say Carlos Rodriguez, 31, set his mattress on fire at a duplex. Police said the officer found the man sitting in the backyard. His statement to police was redacted. According to an arrest affidavit, the fire was deliberately set, posing an immediate threat to the lives and safety of the occupants. Hmm. I'm sorry. All I heard was milk duds. And then (laughs) that was the last word for me. Not a great comparison. But so the guy has it. But the the reason the story was, uh, I guess, trending, if you want to use a term, the mugshot. The guy literally has half a head. He was in some accident oh, years sad. ago, ran into like a telephone pole or something, and then survived. But it took like like there's a chunk of his head that's not available for use at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. <laughs> there you go. Look at that. Yeah. That's tragic. It is. But should that guy be alive? No. That's really why the, the story was important. He's really lucky to be alive. Yeah, maybe the... Um, I, I don't recall uh, asking to see this picture, by the way. <laughs> Here, look at this. Could you pull up a picture of Milk Duds instead? Milk see, Duds. So I think that's part of the point, that he's probably got other issues, so probably. he burnt his mattress. Yeah. Except yeah. he'll tell you all about it. Well, but maybe... He's that, fully functional. Maybe that's where the smell's coming from in yeah. uh, Seminole County. In his new book... But it's yeah. only like half a book. Half a book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, any other headlines we need to be paying attention to? Do you to? want some Halloween stats? Yes, I love me a Halloween 171 stat. million Americans, 69% of the country, plan to celebrate the holiday. Wow. Dropping an average of $83 on a costume. Candy, wow. assorted decorations, and party supplies. So all the, you know, trappings of the holiday. Says who? says the national consumer whoever here is here the costumes in fact account for 1.3 billion of the total number okay. half the u.s adults plan to wear a costume matt you gonna wear a costume 
I wasn't planning. Yeah, on neither that. am I. Seventeen percent dress up their pets. Jeff, costume. Oh yeah, you yeah. saw half of it on Friday. Oh, that's right. What half? Well, I did. I'm Nick Wilde, and my two-year-old is Judy Hopps from Zootopia. I forgot about that. He dressed up for work. Oh, really? He walked in with a tie on. I'm like, what are you doing? A tie and a yellow Hawaiian shirt. You are a okay. You're an undercover cop. Is he the undercover cop? In Zootopia? No, he's a he's a con artist. Oh, he's the con. He becomes a cop. Anyway. As this says, trick-or-treating isn't what it used to be. The number of families planning to head out the door for this tradition is up slightly from last year, but still not as high as a few years back, noting that about 29% of parents will head out around the neighborhood, the second lowest number on record. It's the clowns. What's happening? It's the clowns. Most communities have trunk-or-treating or or some other sort of Halloween parties where you're not going around the neighborhood, but you have like a gathering at a park or something, and that's how Halloween is celebrated now. Yeah. It's just, I guess, safer. I guess. Not as fun, though. No. It says 46% of America will carve a pumpkin, 21% will visit a haunted house. The consumer group, the uh, National Retail Federation, also found that 7 out of 10 Americans will hand out candy this year, and they'll spend $2.5 billion to do it. Wow. And 3 out of 10 will have their homes egged. (laughs) There you go. There's some bunch of stats. Is that what you're planning to do tonight? Egg houses? Yeah. (laughs) little egging. Cereal egging. Then there will be another story about uh, an egg odor going on. Yeah. You don't want to mess with an egg odor. Um, okay. Well, apparently we've, we've got to go to break. But when we come back, we'll be talking about how to have some self-control this Halloween season. You just heard how much candy we're going to be going through. Maybe there's some little tricks that you can do to make sure you make it healthier, starting with a good meal. How about that? making sure you get your steps in, all that fun. Up next, Margaret Marshall will be joining us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer, even through the holiday season. We'll be back. Happy Halloween, everybody. You know, today uh, there will be lots of festivities, fun, and fattening foods But before you head out with your tot to collect all that sugar tonight, keep in mind that you still want to be able to function for the rest of the holidays coming up this year, right? Let's not gain all of our weight tonight. Uh, That means that you need to take care of your body and perhaps resist the sugar overload temptation. Today, we have a healthy living expert. Margaret Marshall joins us, rejoins us um, from New York to discuss how we can stay healthy this Halloween season. Margaret, thank you so much for being with us. Hi, Matt. It's my pleasure to be with you. Good to talk to you again. Boy, it's it's going to be easy tonight to just go out of control, eating all the sugar, driving my little jazzy all around the neighborhood. <laughs> you know, that's what happens. And and if we give in to the candy, this is the candy week of the year. Starting <laughs> Well, it really starts in September. We start buying Halloween candy. Um but it is the candy week of the year, and if you think of it, every holiday has candy associated with it. It's in a different form or with different wrappers, but Halloween is a big one. And if we give in to all of the candy right now, as adults and even as children, we start the weight gain cycle for the rest of the holiday season. Mm, so true. And it's it's a crazy time of year, too, because you're busy. Like tonight, I can already envision we will be running around. We have a birthday party for my granddaughter. We're doing all of these different things. I know we'll be throwing together a costume at the last minute. So it also makes it so we don't even get a good a good meal tonight. Uh, 
for many people. Yeah. You know, that was one thing that was, when, and you have a birthday party thrown in there. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. That's even more, you know. <laughs> um, when I, my children were younger, they're older now and grown and out on their own, but when they were younger, that was one of the things with Halloween that was so important to me is that I had a healthy meal planned. It didn't have to be big and it didn't have to take a lot of time, but it It was something I insisted that we ate a good meal. I did not stop my children from eating candy on Halloween because it's part of the festivities. Right. But along with that candy, they also needed to eat food. So you you try, I guess, and that is one of your strategies, make sure that you you set them up with a good meal because that would also fill them up. They're not going to eat if they're incredibly full, right? Right. Well, that's the hope for every other day of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Halloween tends to be a different kind of day. And, you know, the fun is really in the trick-or-treating and the dressing up and the, you know, some schools have stopped the festivities in schools, but some still have costume parades and things like that. And I know they like to keep the candy out of the school, which I think is really smart. Um, But that's the fun. The fun is, you know, Dressing in costume and trick-or-treating and being with your friends and being with the group and the candy, we can make that secondary. Mm. And we can make it secondary by the way we, as the parents and the adults, approach the holiday. And I guess that's one of your points is make sure you don't – I mean because they've been offering candy for the last two months. You don't have to be buying it the minute it's on the shelf. Oh, my goodness. You should be buying it today. Halloween candy on the shelf at, at, for Labor Day. And, you know, I, what I do and what I always in, in, um, advise my clients to do is just look at that candy and say, that's here to get into my wallet. Nobody cares mm. about my health. So if we go two months before Halloween eating that Halloween candy – um, you know, you're just setting yourself up for such a disaster, not even for the holiday season, but for every day of the year because so you're not true. exercising any control. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, are there any, would you say, healthy healthy candies? Um, we were looking at an article from the Washington Times that ranked the healthiest this season, but they're all just sugar. Sugar. So, I mean, I guess some might be more fattening, but and I, it's always funny to me when somebody says, yeah, no, there's no fat in this. It's just all sugar. And I think, well, okay, great. So that keeps <laughs> the fat on my body. Style, right. Right. So are, is there anything healthier we could be eating? Well, are we talking Halloween specifically? Because yeah. I know that's our discussion today. So I did not read the article that you saw, but my guess would be that when they use the word healthy, and you even mentioned it, it's lower calorie. Yeah. There are some lower calorie sh- uh, sugar candy that you can eat, but for Halloween, you really have no control what goes into your children's Halloween baskets or, you know, pouches. So I kind of think that goes out the window. No, you think you're healthiest. right. I mean, the, some you of know? the examples are take five bar, which is just it's got a pretzel, <laughs> caramel, and chocolate. Um, but Smarties, Jolly Ranchers, Tootsie Pops, Nerds. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's You're just, saying that's healthier? Yeah, it's the healthiest. Oh, my goodness. I would say to everybody, if you're going to choose, yeah, first of all, we let, at least for me and, and what I always advise people to do, let your kids choose the food that they want. Let them choose the, the uh, I know we go through it to make sure everything is safe and yeah. has not changed, but let them choose what they want. Because if you don't give them what they want, they're going to go to their friend's house and eat their Halloween candy. Right. So let them choose what they want, but limit it. You know, like like I said, when my children were younger, on Hall- Halloween Day, 
after I went through the candy and made sure that it was safe, I didn't limit their amount of candy. But because we didn't eat candy every day, too much candy, was they just wouldn't think of doing that. And then for the next two or three days, they, I would limit it. They would have a little bit. And then it was gone. Yeah. You know, somehow it was mysteriously gone. <laughs> it just disappeared. Because we don't need all that candy. Right. I mean, I guess that's a, in the festivities. That's a, I think that's a good way to look at it. That, that, and not to turn it into a big, you know, not to kind of bring a dark cloud over the holiday. Celebrate the holiday. Have lots of fun with it. Um, but we're just going to go back to our habits. And our habits are we don't have candy every day. So pick your best right. and we'll let you, you know, have Halloween that. Halloween is a big holiday. It's the second decorated holiday of the year, hmm. second to Christmas. So most people... Um, really love the holiday, yeah. so enjoy it. But we don't need the candies for days, months before, and days and weeks after. And I guess that's always in our control, right? We, I mean, the kids are going to want it no matter what. But that's always been the case. But we can just, yeah, we're, we'll have it a couple of days, and then it's it's time to give it up. It's done. And you know, if it, not even for our health, and and you said an article mentioned what's healthier. They're finding now, and this is for adults, maybe you don't have to worry about this with your kids right now, but for adults, sugar causes cholesterol more than fat. Yeah, no, exactly. So, right. you know, to say one candy is better than the other one is all <laughs> sugar anyway right. for an adult. I'm talking about an adult, although high cholesterol is now becoming prevalent in young children, which is pretty scary. But, um, you know, it's more in adults. You don't even see the damage that it does to you until after you've eaten too much of it. Right. I mean, we know the epidemic of obesity much is much attributed mm-hmm. to our sugary drinks. Right. And so, I mean, the research is there, plain and simple. And I guess trying to make it – you can only make it so healthy, right? It's, it's, a, it's a holiday around, around candy. And, and mm-hmm. But you can make it festive and fun. Let's do this. Let's take a break. Again, we're speaking with Margaret Marshall about uh, an article she wrote. Um, she is a healthy living expert. And uh, if you go to her website, margaretmarshallassociates.com, you can also follow her on Twitter, at MarshallM01. Wonderful insights um, from her books, Body, Mind, and Mouth, and Healthy Living Means Living Healthy. Great stuff and and insight. When we come back, uh, one suggestion that um, she made in in her article is maybe it's time to trick-or-treat in high heels. I don't know. Sounds like I'm spraining an ankle. Stick with us, folks. More on healthy living. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome, friends, back to the Matt Townsend Show. Apparently, 90% of American parents admit to eating candy from their children's trick-or-treat bags. Okay, that's fine. Do what you got to do, parents, but you've only, let's say, got a couple days to do that. Then it's time to get rid of the candy. Joining us um, is Margaret Marshall, and Margaret has a website. If you go to margaretmarshallassociates.com, she is uh, an expert in living, healthy living, and has been a trainer for Weight Watchers, also has um, a, a Twitter feed, at Marshall, uh, at Marshall M01, um, and has written a couple of books as well, Body, Mouth, Body, Mind, and Mouth, 
and healthy living means living healthy. Margaret Marshall, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, I love being with you, Matt. Thank you. This is super fun to to think through some of this. One of the things that you also suggest, I mean, because it is a, an event where we go door to door, you could make it a little healthier if you focused on getting more steps throughout the night. Yeah. You know, sometimes and it's funny when I see people in the neighborhood trick-or-treating, they're in a car, and then they put their kids <laughs> in the car, and they drive to the next block. <laughs> I used, yeah, next. Yeah, and then walk they can just around. listen to the radio while they drive around. Right. Walk around, and if you're in a neighborhood, a suburban neighborhood, walk up the driveway with the children. Mm. I would do that for safety, but you're also getting extra steps. That's in, true. Rather than standing at the end of the driveway and just looking up. And some driveways in, in various neighborhoods are long. Yeah. So you're getting a nice, a nice walk in beautiful weather. That's the hope. And if you're getting, if you have like a, an eight, nine, ten, eleven year old kid, they're going to want to really go tonight. So if you walk up and down a lot of these driveways, you will, you'll get your 10,000 steps. Yes. That's a good, good point, Matt. Wear your <laughs> Fitbit or whatever it is you wear and, and just see how many steps and, and be, be competitive with yourself. See mm. how many steps you can get in while trick-or-treating. Set a goal. And one of the things you bring up is to trick-or-treat in high heels. Please yeah. explain that to me because to me it just seems like I'll be in the emergency room. crazy, right, Matt? Yeah. Well, that's what I titled the, the uh, article, Trick or Treat in High Heels, to catch attention. Yeah. But really what it means is, you know, feel good, dress nice, put on something that makes you feel good. Because I have found for me and for so many people that I, I coach um, is when you feel sloppy, you eat sloppy. Hmm. And True. when you eat sloppy, you dress sloppy. So on trick-or-treat night, unless you're in a costume, but in a costume will make you feel different anyway, and it will put you on a, in a different state of mind. And if you're not in a costume and you're walking your children around, dress nice. Put something that put something on that says I'm special. So if it's high heels, do the high heels. If it's you know your best coat, your fancy coat that you wear to parties, put that on. Or you know your favorite pair of pants that make you feel really good, put that on. Put something on that says hey. I'm worth taking care of myself. Mm. And I mean, that would change your night, too, about how you – because a lot of this, too, is socializing, interacting with other parents when you're out, bringing some energy to the event instead of just, you know, you know, being lagging behind your kids. Right, right. Yeah, make it social. Absolutely. Have fun. And have fun for your kids. And have fun, yes. And, you know, these, these Halloween, these trick-or-treating events, they're memorable for the children. My kids still talk about our trick-or-treating events. And so you don't think maybe how important this is to a child, but they are so memorable. They remember every costume that they ever wore. Um, That's so true. It's a fun day. And, and it really is. And I think as a parent, you know, sometimes you're just, Ugh, I've got to get back to work tomorrow. But right. part of this is maybe make it for the kids. Do something special right. for the kids tonight. What I want, You have a great idea for the leftover candy. We talked about how we probably want it to disappear if we want to stay healthy. We don't want to have candy forever. So um, what could we do with the candy, you know, say tomorrow or the next day? Well, I always say just find a way to get it out of the house because, as I write in the article, leftover candy will either go to your waste 
or to waste. Uh-huh. And that's two different ways of spelling waste. It will either go to your waste, W-A-I-S-T, or to waste, W-A-S-T-E. The choice is yours. So if the candy lingers in your house, now you have the sugar in your system, and you, your cravings get more and more severe the more sugar you have in your system. You're going to keep eating it, and, and it's going to go to your waste, mm. W-A-I-S-T. So... You know, get it out of the house. If you have a local food pantry, bring it there. If you have, what I understand, and I've never done this, but what I understand from some of the the clients that I coach is that if the bag of candy is not opened, many of the stores will take it back if you still have the receipt. So you can do that as well. And um, local pantry, local food pantry, or soup kitchen, or a homeless shelter, if you have anything like that anywhere near your, your neighborhood, you know, you're not giving it. I always say, try not to bring it into work. Yeah. Because it's going to be so much at work. Oh. If someone brings in their leftover candy into your office. What they're really saying to you is, here, gain my weight for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will, will, you, will you get rid of this for me? In fact, um, in Utah, they, there are a lot of dentists that will buy back the candy. Oh, see that? How wonderful. And then we just invest it back in their braces uh, for later in life. It's kind right. of it's an it's an investment program, right? It gets you into their office, but what a great idea! But I really like the idea too of of giving it to food pantries. I mean, a lot of the homeless need calories; they need something when they're out there too. So oh, sweet, and it's a treat for them, and they're not going to abuse it like we no. will at home. And you can also what a great lesson for your kids to talk about and and open up other discussions. True, very about, true. Man. About giving, about health. Well, I appreciate these insights. Give us one more. What's one more thing we should all remember tonight as we undertake this whole uh, Halloween Eve? Oh, that's a good question, but I'm going to go back to what I said before because this is what I really believe. The fun is in the festivities. The fun is being with your family and, you know, creating memories. Everything we do with our children, it's all about creating memories and togetherness and uh, a family unit. So the fun is in the festivities and the fun is in being together. The candy is secondary. Love it. Love it. So appreciate it. Again, Margaret Marshall, thank you for your wonderful insights and your great work. You can go find more from Margaret at her website, margaretmarshallassociates.com, and uh, also be looking for her books, Body, Mind, and Mouth, and Healthy Living Means Living Healthy. Great insights. Um, from a true blue expert in healthy living. Stick with us. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll be visiting the good brethren from BYU Sports Nation. Find out what they're going to be doing for Halloween tonight and what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, let's shoot it down to our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation, Spencer and Jerem, today, and see what's going on in their Halloween celebration tonight. Hello, gentlemen. Yo, what Hello, up? Matthew. What up? Hey, uh, I got a little bit of a glimpse on um, uh, of what's going on with Spencer's holiday tonight. He's obviously dressing up like uh, a 12-year-old basketball player. That is very accurate. <laughs> Well done, Matthew. One, it's good to have you back. Good to be back. Welcome back. Good to be back. Secondly, yes, I am wearing my seventh grade (laughs) Sunset Junior High basketball jersey. But it still fits. 
Well, it, it doesn't Ish. quite fit, but I can't breathe. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm working through that. But it, it's the number 21. And so the whole premise was yeah. 21 years ago. Ah. I wanted to be the basketball player that I was 21 years ago. Ooh. My wristband pulled up my forearm and mm-hmm, all. My mm-hmm. high black socks. Yeah, your tight, yeah. tight, 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 tight shorts. This is this is something that I would have worn to school. I'm not I'm not kidding you. Really? When I was when I was in junior high, like on a game day. Yeah. Yeah. That explains a lot. <laughs> now we know why you dress the way you dress. This it's... was always the dream, like making the seventh grade basketball team. Ah. Oh. It was it was the dream for me. It's all you wanted. Yeah. What's uh, what's Jerem dressed like? Jerem looks like uh, his handsome self. Ah, Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> 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 choking, Jerem choking random. People. He doesn't need costumes because he's got the voice talent. So okay. Yeah, so he does. Yes. And the rugged good looks. Mm-hmm. So are really Jerem's not dressed up? I didn't know we were dressing up today. We didn't have a combo. You, you guys need to communicate. We, I, do, we do need to have better communication. I know a guy that can help with that. You? I, d- I will. Come on down. We'll do a little intervention. We'll have you guys face each other. I should have just been a ref. You sh- that would have been so Dude, great. That would have been we, easy. There's got to be a have, ref jersey. We have a referee jersey in the building. Okay. We taped a segment of the show already. All right. All right. Just get that on. It's over. Y- you should go get it and say, you know what? I'm not wearing this during the Trevor Maddich thing. Just do that. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight, We're I'm making... assuming you're just going out with kids. Yes. Okay. You I seem... don't think I'll be wearing this though. What, why? You won't be able to breathe. Very uncomfortable. I'm going to bet by about noon you will have lost all circulation to your lower <laughs> extremities. <laughs> Maybe so. It's so tight. Like I was la- tight. I was laughing super hard trying to put it on this morning. <laughs> your wife? Did your wife have to help you? There was help involved. Yes. How are you going to get it off? If I have no idea. I think we all ought to make a pact that none of us help him get it off. <laughs> yeah. We should take him. Yeah. So we he should can't snap, breathe. We should Snapchat cut me, it off. me yeah. out trying to get. That would be hilarious. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, so um, I was gone uh, just to Costa Rica uh, picking up the Zika virus. Oh, well, yeah, I, welcome back. I'm pretty sure I've got it. Yeah, that's no bueno. But my my birthing years are over, so I'm good. Um, if you were if you were PMI, keeping man. if you were keeping score, hey. Um, <laughs> but did I miss anything? Did I miss anything? You know, I know basketball's starting soon. Now we're going to Cincinnati to play football. I'm assuming this is all what will be on the show today. We will discuss both of those things. In fact, we are asking fans to decide which they are more excited about. November football, because the schedule kind of dips off. The competition level isn't quite there, what it, what it was the first eight weeks of the season. Or basketball, who tip off the regular season against Princeton. And finally, the Lone Peak 3. The guys we've yeah. been waiting six or seven years for, it seems like, are now in uniform at BYU and actually playing basketball. So which are you more excited about, basketball or football in November? Hmm. I have to figure out what I think. Because we've been discussing this morning, but I haven't come to a solid, uh, is, it, is it November football or is it basketball? Because we get two weeks of basketball, of yeah. regular season hoops. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then we get four full weeks of football, mm. albeit against teams that just aren't that good. There's not a team above 500. So BYU should win these games, and that, that's the exciting part. 
BYU will be favored in every one of these games. They're favored by eight and a half against the perceived toughest opponent, Cincinnati, this week. Wow. It's kind of nice, though, to have a breather. It is. I would have preferred to have some breathing room in the first eight. Yeah. And then something compelling in November. But yeah, or be five and three going into the be back Be five four, and three, right? and then now you're mm. playing for ten. Yeah, then you'd be playing. Awesome. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you, boys. I'm with you. Hey, what do you think just about uh, what's going on with the World Series? I thought it was fantastic last night that the Cubs actually won a home game for the fans there. Yes. At Wrigley Field. Go that Cubs, cool. go! Go Cubs, go! Hey, I don't know. Spencer, pace yes. yourself. You've I'm got sorry. your jersey on. <laughs> Here's your inhaler, dude. <laughs> pace yourself. Don't follow Jerem's lead on this. It feels like a wrestling uniform. <laughs> Does it? I like would not singlet. know what that feels like. What's a, what does a singlet feel like? It's, 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 so tight. it's half as bad as a doublet. It is so tight. It's a good thing it's not oh. super cold in here. Well, yeah. Yep. Okay. It's. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with that uh, on this. Anything else on the show that we need to make sure we get in there? Because you're only about nine minutes away. ESPN's Trevor Maddich on the one team he would prefer to see play against. Well, there are two, but the one team that, and he's on par with me, that he wants BYU to play in the Poinsettia Bowl. Okay. Ah. And the chance that he's giving BYU to run the table and and finish the season without a loss. So we'll discuss those things with uh, Mr. Maddich of ESPN as well as hashtagging things like Jimmer Fredette going for 42 points in his first Chinese professional basketball game. Holy cow. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did you do in your first Chinese game, Jerem? Uh, okay. I rest my Now case. all of China knows you're here. <laughs> and all I did was hit 42 points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I got this shirt. <laughs> and this T-shirt that's all too small, but I gave, it to, I gave it to Spencer, so it's all right. Yeah. All right, guys. It sounds like a great show. I know you got to get out early to go uh, party. I know. I understand. Thanks, Matt. you gotta go give, You got to go give Spencer a breather. Got to do some Halloween stuff. And, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I need to— uh, Get the jersey. <laughs> I need to get on the respirator for a that's little right. bit. Get the ventilator out, boys. <laughs> all right. Have a great show. Eight minutes away. Thanks. Happy Halloween. Thanks. Thanks you, too. Knock them dead. Oh, that is the, they've got there at the perfect little stage where you take these cute little kids out, you put them in their costumes. Life is so good. So are you, Jeff. Yeah. You're at that stage. You just dress, put on the little fairy costumes for your girls. Yes. They'll, I'm sure, what are they going as? So my four-year-old is Sky from Paw Patrol. Does that mean anything to you? Zero. Okay. Okay. And my two-year-old is Judy Hopps from Zootopia. Okay, cute. And I am Nick Wilde from You're Zootopia. Nick Wilde, the... The, the con artist. The con artist. Yeah. But now here's a question. Does anybody know – like when you say Nick Wilde, I think who? Well, so when, I think when you go to someone's they door – They may not know him by name, but they'll know me by sight. Although when I came on Friday, two of our coworkers thought I was fantastic Mr. Fox. Okay. No, I didn't have my ears and my tail, so I described it to them and I said, do you know who that is? You can take Mr. Your, Fox. You can take your ears off? Yeah. And your tail? Yeah. Wish I could have seen that. I just think it'd be neat to see costumes. I missed it. I was just celebrating on a beach. I feel sorry for you. Not to brag. Not to brag. Hey, um, okay. 
we we've only got a few minutes, but I heard you've been putting together some Halloween jokes for us. Yes. So okay. just imagine a stand-up comedian, but he's Dracula as a stand-up comedian. Okay. With okay. His, is he dressed like Dracula? Or, no, he is Dracula. But, is he, but he, does he have his fangs on? I mean, is he all fanged out and he's got his hair greased back and he's wearing a black cape? His day job is that he's a comedian. But as a comedian, does he dress like a normal comedian? No, he just dresses like, like himself. Like himself. Okay. okay yeah. Great. I just have to have that for the visual. Okay. okay let's so hear some of the jokes me, that this Let me give comedian. us some atmosphere here. Uh, let's see here. Oh, yes. If you were going to add atmosphere... Oh, yeah. It's like a little piano bar. The other day I ran into an old friend, and he asked me, how's work? And I said, it bites. <laughs> Nothing, huh? No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I just, I just warming up. Then he asked me, would I like to go out for some steaks? And I said, no thanks. They go straight to my heart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> The other day, my wife turned to me and says, you know, sometimes you can be a real pain in the neck. Because <laughs> he bites her neck and stuff. Then I went into the doctor because I was having a problem with my coffin. He, but he must have misunderstood me because he prescri- <laughs> prescribed me with a bottle of Vicks when I said I had a problem with my coffin. Uh-huh. Yeah, he thought you had a cough. And then uh, there's the uh, Dr. Frankenstein comedian. Yeah. Okay, so there's a so now we change it. So it's no longer Dracula, now it's Dr. Frankenstein. Not yeah. Frankenstein. But he only the he only has one joke. He only ever performed one joke because uh, it didn't go over too well. Okay, let's hear it. Whenever my mom would accuse me of stealing cookies from the cookie jar, I would say, "It's a lie! A lie!" Yeah, that's yeah, that's the one. I just leave it at that. that I, yeah. So you don't you're not a fan of Halloween humor. Oh, I'm a huge fan of Halloween humor. The hard part is just finding it. You know, finding the humor. Hmm. Finding finding like the funny part. You know, because when somebody places it at your feet like that, maybe you just don't know what to do with it. You know, it's like a, an abandoned child. You don't know what to do with it. No, I'd pick that baby up and just hug on it, and I'd just take care of that baby and just bring it home. These jokes, on the other hand, um, I'm not sure that they ever made it to my feet, you know, really like that. I'm not saying they're bad. Okay, well, what if you were to liken it to a, a Halloween candy? Was that was that a delicious Snickers? That was a ironic, wafer. which is funny because it has to do with laughing. Or is it more like an Abizabo where it gets stuck in your teeth and you have no, to go to the dentist? No, that was a Necco wafer, like kind of a chalky wafer that you, when you see them, your kids are like, Gah. So you're saying there was what, not All a lot of licorice, substance. licorice Necco wafers. Just licorice The ones that the kids give to the old people and the old people, you know, love it. It's like a candy corn. Um, anyway, as we wrap this thing up, we always like to tell a hero story. Have I got a cool hero story for you? Tara Wood of Augusta, Georgia, was with two of her kids on a routine trip to the grocery store. It was Nora, her four-year-old's birthday. That's when they ran across Dan Peterson, known as Mr. Dan. And uh, as Mr. Dan walked by, Nora smiled and waved. She said, hi, old person. It's my birthday. 
He stopped in his tracks and smiled and said, well, hello, little lady. How old are you today? And they chatted for a couple of minutes and went their separate ways. Right. People have this experience with young kids. Well, uh, a little bit later, Nora decided she wanted a picture with Mr. Dan. So they had to go track him down. They found him down the bread aisle and said, hey, Mr. Dan, we want a picture with you before we leave. And uh, he says, "Okay." luckily, this is my last aisle before I get out of here. So he gave took a picture with her. Um, Then, as they thanked him for his time, he teared up and said, no, thank you. This has been the best day I've had in a long time. You've made me so happy, Miss Nora, Wood said. Mr. Dan described Nora on that afternoon as the light that just lit me up. And uh, long story short, they went home. They They tried to contact Mr. Dan and found out that Mr. Dan's late wife, Mary, um, was, had, had passed away. And this cute little Nora was basically bringing Mr. Dan out of his funk that he had been in since she had passed away. And so look at that. A cute little girl, an innocent little four-year-old, can be a hero by just being herself and literally drawing Mr. Dan out of his out of his dark, crazy funk. That's why she said that uh, she lit him up that day. And now they celebrated his 82nd birthday. To this day, they I guess they stay in touch. And she's still bringing a lot of joy to his life. He said that he hadn't had an interrupted night's sleep for the past several months before he met Nora. Sadness and anxiety had made his mind wander at night. But since meeting Nora, he slept soundly through every single night. She has basically healed him. So there you go. Cute little Nora. She is the hero of the day on the Matt Townsend Show. Let's remember that. Those kids are perfect. They can help us get through the tough times in life. Let's celebrate them tonight on Halloween. Until tomorrow, make it a great one. We'll talk again tomorrow.